we have over 1,300 documented cancer victims right now, just in a one mile radius. I'll be quite honest with you, it's changed my life so radically. Sometimes I don't even know who I am. 1,300 people in a one mile radius. And what's causing so much sickness? It turns out all these victims have one thing in common. They live next to a military base called Fort Detrick. Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant, independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Friday, September 22nd, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. I'm excited to go through this show today because I think this is going to be an important one to bookmark for the future. Now, I I was unable to do this yesterday for multiple reasons. I had a great interview with with Mel Kay yesterday, which I might already be out. I check it, check out for that, or look out for that. I was on fault lines this morning. There's you know, there's been a lot of other stuff going around the sides as well as just background T Lab stuff. And there was that video going around from New York City. Uh, off the top of my head, I'll show you his account when we get to it. I forget his name. He's the guy that we've played that clip of at the end of the show, where it's the the the, the play on boosters where they're going through. It's like the two comedians. I forget the one guy's name. I'll, I'll give him a shout when we get to his account. But he put this video out of trucks spraying pesticides along New York City streets in residential areas. Now, it's interesting because that's not new. It's not new. It's not unique to New York City. But nonetheless, it's interesting how many things like this most people in this country are unaware of. Even though like someone like myself, it doesn't even surprise me, but I just, when I saw that, I went that, so people don't have a choice. There's no conversation. There's no, it's just, we're doing this because that's what we claim is for your best interest. And it was, it's just, it's, it's just one of many points we've, uh, that Americans in particular are becoming very aware of that expose the reality of what your government really is. And, and the, the lies around what they're doing these things for the larger agendas that tap into all of this, the military overlap, the direct health overlap to you, the idea of human experimentation. It's, it's a little overwhelming, but I wanted to go through this today for a few different reasons. I want to talk about that as its own topic. What are they spraying? Is it dangerous for you? Is that actually what they're doing? Is there something else that could be going on there? All very valid questions, you know, aside from the, the screeches of conspiracy theory by people that don't want to ask anything intelligent to just follow what they're told by people on a screen. But ultimately, the, the, it's a concerning reality because we've seen throughout history. I mean, DD, DDT used to be something we were told was safe. You know, these things are are very common throughout the history of this government in particular. But then I want to go over another interesting overlap here. Well, in, in that topic in general, and then what are they spraying for? If that is what they're doing, West Nile, they claim, and is that even that dangerous to you? And is that danger more or less than what they're using to spray? That's the real time you use the benefits outweigh the risk kind of analogy. And we'll get into how lopsided it seems to me. But then I want to go over the another overlap to this. You know, what, what this may be doing, what the tie into the genetically modified mosquitoes that have been going on for a decade, decades, in fact even though it's only now getting on the radar of a lot of people, the idea of flying vaccinators using mosquitoes to deliver vaccination. 
And that's, again, it may be new to some people. In fact, it may even sound like conspiracy theory to some people, but we'll go through all the data, all the source material from, from science.org and different high, you know, highly regarded scientific journals that are talking about studies where they've successfully vaccinated somebody using a mosquito and how long that research has been going on. And then I want to ask how these things connect, go over the information, what the connective points are in regard to the technology they're all seemingly using in regard to the overlap of the mosquitoes, whether we're talking about something that in, in the case of New York, that's as simple as you can. It, we, it's important to start with the simplistic, you know, Occam's razor kind of idea, but don't stop there. We need to ask the bigger questions. Is this, are we being sprayed with some self spraying vaccine or self spreading concept? Those are real things. And we should ask that, but then just going back to the simple though, which, which is where we should start. Is this something that is, a, a mistake that was made another experimentation on the human species without your consent that then got out of control whether and i asked that throughout all of covid19 i still ask that was omicron an effort to try to stop what they did that was hurting the wrong people i mean there's a lot of different conversations it's all hypothetical but we can see something very interesting in all of this that it seems they've been spraying or excuse me that they've been releasing gm mosquitoes for decades and yet, oddly, and, and the point being, that's supposed to be reducing the population of mosquitoes and reducing our issue with them. Except, oddly, it seems to be going in the direction. Year after year, it gets worse, and we have more problems, and there's more disease. And so either it's not working, and they're doing it anyway, or it is working. And it's just not the way we realize. But overall, they connect in the sense that it could simply just be their efforts to try to utilize a problem they created to stop a problem that they created or something even more nefarious. Now, as always, guys, I'll give you my thoughts, how I think these things connect in regard to oh, and the point that at one point I left off there in regard to, you know, RNA, RNA overlap, the technology being used between the vaccination concept, even COVID-19 and what they're now stepping into. RNA interference technology, which we're told is the next, the new, the next step step for RNA genetic gene editing technology, excuse me, vaccination. And the point being that these things are also what they're using to make flying vaccinators or to make genetically modified mosquitoes that are supposed to help us. Now, how does that make sense? How is there an overlap where they're telling us they're going to make injections with this technology or they're going to make mosquitoes that go out and stop bad guy mosquitoes? How, you know, kind of a, childish way to prescribe that but nonetheless it makes sense and then also say oh well we're also going to make mosquitoes that can vaccinate you using the exact same technology well doesn't that begin to sound like dual use technology aha and this is something we've talked about a lot and we'll go through this overlap as well and how this goes ties back to people like the ceo of oxytech funded by bill and bill and gates foundation and now he has a tie to or comes from the military side of things and ties comes from DARPA and use this uses this technology in a mindset that's fighting terrorism, the overlap in regard to mosquitoes. And that guy's connected to things that work overlapping with them with the injections we're taking. There's so much going on here that I'm not even sure I'm fully grasping the connective picture here. So please let us know what you think. So we're going to go. Actually, I wanted to start with one point, actually, before we get the whole show today is just on everything I just listed. We're going to start with that video. But I wanted to shout one thing out that I thought was important. I just was told today, Steve told me he was messaged by a, an imposter on Telegram, which ever, I've never I don't know anybody in this field that hasn't eventually had somebody pretending to be them. It seems rampant and these platforms don't ever really seem to care that much. Well, Telegram, I'm not going to, I don't know. Telegram seems to be on a different level than, you know, YouTubes and so on. But in this case, a T11 imposter is using, and you even using the name 
TLA Vagabond underscore chat, which literally shows up as the last American Vagabond unless you click further and look at it. Our own chat is different, is listed differently and has a different image. And they're DMing people trying to get them involved in a crypto scam, acting and claiming that they're me saying, hey, it's Ryan. I won't inform you about something I found out, things like that. So please, please, one, report them Two, make sure everybody else knows that's happening. And three, realize I would never do that. Tell the people that don't know that that this is a scam and then realize that or and, and help people realize that there this is always going on and it's only going to get worse. I mean, we have even get into the real dark side, like the completely other side of the extreme of this, where I think people in our field are going to start to get framed in certain ways and attacked. And, and that's historically happened and is accurate. Now, again, things like that, no conspiracy theory. People are so reflexive to shout something when it sounds like something we're not supposed to talk about, but despite the fact that you can prove it. So my point being is that things like this could very well just be some, you know, frustrated, disgruntled person that thinks I'm misinforming people or somebody that doesn't like what I'm doing for different political reasons, or it could be something much higher than that. So anyway, just recognize this is happening. Be on guard. Let people know. And we do have our Telegram channel, but quite frankly, I rarely use it. Only today I was responding to a few people because I never look at it. And I just felt bad. I saw some things that I'd missed. So on that note, let's start here. This is what I said. This is where the video comes from that I saw. Part of this for me. And this is the guy I was talking about. Uh, Ty the Fish is his, his account. Check him out. He's, he's funny. He said, I will be discussing. I said, I will be discussing this on my show today. It was yesterday. I wrote this. And already, I mean, instant. I took 30 seconds to glance into some of these things. And I already found out that the very first chemical on the list of things they are using is documented to, guess what, be an endocrine-disrupting chemical and to be outwardly toxic toward bees and fish. Not some small thing, but toxic to bees and fish. And they're spraying this across neighborhoods full of bees, by the way, as well as full of other organic things that are easily affected as well. Despite the level and difference, if it's killing bees and fish, or tell, they tell you it's safe within this smaller level, it still means that it's having an effect on your body. So all that means, well, it means a lot of things, but first and foremost, that you should have a right to say, hell no, I don't want that around me. And that should matter. I'm going to get into the pregnancy aspect, the children, dogs. I mean, it's unreal this stuff is being used right now. We're going to go through only two of them, by the way, and there's eight that they have listed. Simply didn't have time with what we got into today. But my God. So let's play this video. I'll get I'll link those as well. And we'll start there and I'll go make a couple points before we get further on. I live in New York City and did you just have your house sprayed with pesticides? I was in my living room, my windows are open, these trucks come by, they're making these dystopian announcements. Run inside, get inside. This is the creepiest. Look at this. What the? F it's going right over my window. so incredible to me like just on the just right out of the gate first of all this absurd 
game they play where apparently everybody everywhere knows because you posted some notification on some obscure government website that nobody looks at. So it's your fault that you didn't know about the thing that nobody looks at and nobody tells you about. And, and that, that's the point is they post this and then act like you're aware they're going to be doing so. And, and I mean, one of the earliest things that some, somebody, my brother actually said jokingly, but nonetheless, very valid. What if you're deaf? What if you're walking down the street and you don't hear what they're saying? You don't have any idea what's going on. My point is, it's very obvious that they don't really care all that much if you know or do anything about what's happening. It, it, this is the idea of some kind of liability, right? Where they, we told them, right? We posted that article about the thing they claim we never covered on the back page 40 years ago. But yeah, you know, that, like the media side of that. I, I often talk about that just because they post these articles doesn't mean anybody ever sees it. If they just really make sure it doesn't grace the front page, which is what most people tend to look at or the titles are skimming and so on. But that's really incredible to me that we apparently don't even have a choice anymore. Did we ever? Was that always an illusion? Most likely. The point is they're literally just spraying along the streets with basically looking like normal, like for uh, uh, small trucks. They're just packed with this big, almost generator looking thing in the back. And it's just spraying out mist from the back of the truck. Now, we're going to go through right away about how dangerous these things are and overlap that with the perceived risk of West Nile, which is what they're claiming that's about. Before, though, I want to start with two notes here that I think are important. So this is where we're going to essentially end today, or for the most part, get into after the opening risk part I just outlined. Oh, that's that's funny. All of a sudden, it's behind a paywall. Look at that. It's not over here. <laughs> I swear, this stuff happens to me all the time. They just put it on a paywall just today? Apparently so. <laughs> if I refresh the tab, it'll be on a paywall. How fantastic is that? Well, whatever. The point is, 2010, researchers turned mosquitoes into flying vaccinators. By no means was that the first time this has happened. We can go back to 2008, even further than that, especially if we go back to, you know, or understand that these things tend to happen long before we're ever told about them. But so just starting here, I'm just making sure we see 2010, turning mosquitoes into flying injectors, okay? We also have, same platform, 2010, GM mosquito trials, Gates-funded project. So let's realize as far back as that, and well before that, I mean, again, I'm just using this as reference points to start well before today in New York City, that we these things have been going on. So this is where I want us to think about in the context of first this, the part we're going to discuss and how it connects to all of this. And you'll see as these parts, as we go through, continue a little, you know, breadcrumb parts that will stand out that will seemingly connect these, all these stories. But again, just, it could be something as simple as the fact that these, these experiments, which again, that's one point we're going to get to in the later, latter half of the show. They're an experiment guys, like an openly stated experiment. I mean, I can even just jump really quickly. We have many examples where they're literally amending their experimental permit. This is March 2nd, 2022. So let's not pretend like when they talk about experiments or their, their, their subjects that they're doing it in some controlled area. These are over Florida and California. You're being experimented on. So let's make sure we understand that. They, this is not, oh, we decided it's what's right for everybody. That's what they're putting out for. That's what the news will say. But they don't know this is safe because it's an experiment. They're still trying to see if this fleshes out. And guess what? The Cayman Islands are telling them it's not working. In fact, it's making people lower their, they're lowering their immunity to what they're trying to deal with. What does that sound like? Every other thing we're talking about. 
So this overlaps to the bigger conversation of whether this is just an effort to try to help people, an effort to try to stop a problem they created. How about just another effort to try to do the same things that we seem to think is happening with the injections? So if, if Cayman Islands is saying they're lowering our immunity, that it's not actually removing the mosquitoes, we need to genuinely ask whether that wasn't even the design. And then realize that this same technology is the same technology being applied to the COVID-19 injection side of things or the flying vaccinator side of things. There's an easy tie right there. So what's really the point of, you know, what are they trying to accomplish? Again, I'm, I, we be guessing. But knowing that they're trying to do this now, it seems there's a part from before this. COVID-19 utilizes technology. And now they're talking about using these things going forward after the fact. All of it in the same technological lane. So let's start with this video again. E. Meow just points out something right in the beginning that is interesting. That, that even the, the, the time frame of when these mosquitoes are supposed to be a problem is basically around, it ends around fall. Summer to fall for the most part. Which, by the way, is now. So the idea that they're basically spraying now doesn't make sense. They would spray for mosquitoes in mid-September. Yeah, the timing alone is definitely suspect. I 100% agree with that. Again, we don't, they're just going to... We can look up the data that says that that would not be logical and they'll have a narrative and people that want to believe it will believe it. But if you were trying to actually affect the mosquitoes, you would have done it. And I'm not saying they already have, they have been spraying, but why they would do it now seems very telling to me. Now, here's a video clip. It's only 28 seconds of what of them telling you they're doing this just in case there's somebody out there who blindly dismisses anything that they see that doesn't align with the corporate media platform. The New York City Health Department is spraying pesticides to get rid of mosquitoes. They say there are no health concerns, but people who are sensitive to pesticides or want to avoid exposure can stay inside. Door- no health concerns. First of all, they say there's no health concerns. Great journalism. Oh, but people who are sensitive to pesticides? What? I mean, this is the kind. These are the people that rise to the level of corporate media, guys. And of course, local-ish, which are way worse in most cases. But what do you mean sensitive to pesticides? Like pesticides are some organic, natural thing. Oh, you, everyone else is good. You're the weirdo that's, you know, sensitive to pesticides. Pesticides are dangerous, period. In any sense, guys, there's no, that's why what we're talking about is some very low level administration that they're doing that because they know these things are dangerous. I'll show you that in their own documents. But see, this is the different, this is the, the gap, the chasm between the reality and what gets thrown out at you from the corporate media. It's embarrassing. I mean, it's quite frankly worse than I've ever seen, maybe just because I'm paying attention more than ever. But how embarrassing. And by the way, this is 2022. During the spring, this is happening in areas of Manhattan and the Bronx from 8.30 tonight until 6 tomorrow morning. Highly These populated. maps show the areas being sprayed. The health department applies pesticides every summer to reduce the number of mosquitoes and lessen the risk of mosquito-borne diseases. Okay, do you want that? Is that even necessary? Are these things more dangerous than the things they're claiming to stop? Are, is the problem they're trying to stop in part because of things they've already tried to do? Like, none of this stuff matters to these two talking heads. Or the government, for that matter. But we have a right to know. Now, let's talk about proving these things. Let's go through the information. So here, just so you see, this, is 20, this was two, yesterday, in fact. So the video we saw was the uh, 21st. And then so this, oh, so that was yesterday, excuse me. So anyway, the point, even though even though the, it, this is the 21st, it's been going on before that this year as well. And I'll show you the actual website. You know, just in case, though, if you're in this area, I'm curious. 
there's more than just this area, but I just, just so we have this, if you're in this area, there's a few things I'm interested in, you know, is there, is there, are you able to somehow get a sample of what was sprayed? Do you happen to know what people are feeling like and so on and so on, right? I'm curious. Now, here's the actual website itself, NYC Health. Now, this has been going, NYC Health, Health, <laughs> yeah, there we go. Mosquito Control, next scheduled event, September 21st, and lists off all the areas. Now, it says the health department monitors mosquito populations and applies pesticides during the summer. Okay, well, it's not the summer. These methods reduce the number of mosquitoes and lessen the risk of mosquito-borne diseases, such as West Nile virus which we'll get to in a second, seems to be a very, very small problem. Ultimately, not even that severely. I mean, if you do get a, like like anything they talk about, should it get ser- very serious, it could be very lethal. But I'll show you the CDC's own data that show you right out of the gate, one in five re- ever even get sick. And then from there, within that group, there's only so many that ever get super serious symptoms. From them, only ones that it's it's basically a small number comparatively to almost anything. Now, yes, it can eventually cause they claim swelling of the brain and so on, but you know what else can? Just about all the different vaccines that they're give, ever given anybody. You can find a million peer-reviewed studies that will show a lot to be not so hyperbolic. A lot of peer-reviewed science that will find, I mean, from anything, from flu shots to HPV that will show you case studies of people that have encephalitis or any number of things, right? And that's one of the overlaps to this. So could that also just be something they're blaming on this? Sure. We've caught them doing that before. But people don't want to hear that, so they will pretend that's not true. But we can prove all of this stuff. Residents are required, they say, to eliminate standing water from their property. That's an interesting overlap because I wonder if that applies to things like pools and Anything else you might want to do? Collecting rainwater? Huh? That's interesting. The health department uses two methods of pesticides, basically, you know, aiming at adults, basically, and then the larvae of, of the mosquitoes. Completed events in 2023. You can see that they've done a lot. Starting in June, which typically makes sense, but the idea that they've continued this into September just seems interesting to me. But either way, quite a lot. Now, here's the interesting point, though. If this has been going on for decades, which it has, you know, in early days, sparse, you know, certain areas, Florida, California, so on. But the idea is that this is supposed to reduce the population. So over year after year after year, it oddly keeps getting worse. Same, by the way, with places like the Cayman Islands, another place we've talked about, but also in this case. Why would you need to spray this much that often repeatedly? If the whole point is, oh, I, oh I, I'm, excuse me, I'll take, before we get to that. I, right there, I was overlapping two conversations because, let's see, these things, I've been looking at this all day, and these things are kind of in one conversation in my mind. But for right there, first of all, the spraying is about, try, they claim, trying to kill mosquitoes that are a problem. But let's not forget, and this is what I was overlapping there, that if they've been spraying, or excuse me, using GM mosquitoes with the lot, using RNA interference technology and gene silencing technology to try to genetically engineer mosquitoes that will lower the mosquito population, which is what they've been trying to do. Why is it so such a problem right now? And why are they need to spray one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 9, 20, 21 different times through between June and September in multiple locations each time. That seems like an alarming amount of pesticide because it is. We'll get into the pesticides next. So that's very telling to me. Pesticide safety. Here's what it says. You got to love this. We'll get into the actual safety in a second. When used correctly, got to love the caveat. 
Okay, so you know why they say things like that, in my opinion? Because should something go wrong, oh, well, it's the guy's fault. He didn't use it correctly. Okay, we'll keep doing it, though, as long as we get someone who knows what they're doing. Or not, but you can decide. Pesticides pose no significant health risk. To, let's look at this. Think about what they say right there. Pesticides pose no significant health risk to people or their pets. Period. Not wind sprayed in low amounts. Period. That's a blatant lie, and I'll show you directly from their own documentation. But this is no different than than dioxins or PFAS or benzene or atrazine or any number of things they're not telling you about. Or that the fact that they're covering up the dioxin levels in East Palestine. or I mean, anywhere we've talked about this stuff. They're lying to you. How about soil tack? They're about to spray all over Lahaina, which I can prove to you is not going to be something they want or healthy for the environment. But, you know, I'm a conspiracy theorist, so it doesn't matter. No reported diseases in people or pets have been linked with the use of pesticides in West Nile virus control efforts. Well, is that because you don't like what you're seeing? Like the Veyer system that you pretend is not there, but is completely obvious, a skyrocketed amount of numbers that you pretend don't apply to the COVID vaccine, you know, they're directly reported in line with the COVID vaccine? Yeah, probably. People who are sensitive to spray ingredients may get a rash or have a short-term eye or throat irritation. Okay, why is that alone happening? We know it's more than that. But if you're literally spraying something in places where they may not even know you're doing it, maybe they didn't hear you, maybe they got earphones in, maybe they're deaf. You're going to spray stuff over them that has rat, give them rash and short-term eye or throat irritation? What if they have a respiratory problem? What if they're autoimmune? You see what I'm saying? Like, none of this is factored into the conversation. They don't care. Because the whole argument would be West Nile is just that important and dangerous. It's not, though. Not, in, not in, I mean, there's, there's danger to it, if, if, assuming it's even really there. And I really mean that. The point, though, is that this is something that's, by their own reporting, not dangerous enough to justify this kind of drenching of endocrine-disrupting chemical spraying over children and families and pets. And then, when possible, stay indoors. If you have asthma, stay inside. <laughs> Set the air conditioner vent to close. I mean, why would all this need to happen if this stuff isn't dangerous? If there's no health risk, why? Outdoor equipment and toys that are exposed to the pesticides we use are not a significant health risk. I'm going to prove that they're lying about that. There could be some residue for a short period of time. Well, seeing as how you sprayed 21 times over a process of a few months, I'm willing to bet it's more than that. Because what they're doing here is acting like we sprayed. Here's how we spray. This is the amount we put out. That's not dangerous. But do you factor in that you're doing it multiple times a month throughout multiple month periods? I guarantee they don't. Next, pesticides in use. Today, and I might be going through more of them if it becomes necessary, but I don't think we need to. I'm going to look at Anvil 10 plus 10 and Delta Guard. These are just now, really, I probably should have done a larva side and an adult side for the podcast. The, there are two sections. There's four on each. But what they're saying is the health department in the New York, New York City is using all eight of these pesticides and have done so during 2022. That's what they're telling you right now. So what and what it says up here is what they're using in 2023. Okay, so just realize eight different pesticides. Why would you need four pesticides to do the same thing? I really don't know the answer to that question or four to do the same thing down here. So let's look at Anvil 10 plus 10. Just right off the Wikipedia page. Okay, so first of all, an an insecticide employed to combat West Nile fever. That's what they're telling us. Now it says uh, Sumithrin is a synthetic uh, uh, pyre, pyre thro- uh, throid, pure throid, pyre, I think pyre throid probably, I didn't look it up, is the main active ingredient. Okay, so those two ones we have to remember. 
Samuthrin, first of all, and then and then py uh, uh, Pyrethroid. Because that's, that's the category that all these are in. Let's just do this real quick. I, it's funny as I honestly tend to forget because you're when you're reading these things, you don't necessarily realize that when their pronunciation might be interesting or strange. I think it's important that we you know somewhat know these things. Pyrethroid. I should have got that. Pyrethroid. Okay. Samuthrin is a synthetic pyrethroid. Okay. Remember those two things as we go through the multiple thing, things here. But that the first samuthrin is the is the active chemical in Anvil 10 plus 10. Now it says according to the Anvil. Technical Bulletin published in January 2006. These sprayers create a fine mist of drops that average 17 microns in size, which is kind of interesting. So if they're spraying stuff, right, why wouldn't they go, hey, wear a mask, right? Isn't that what they're screaming in every other context? Well, here's something that might actually, rather, will actually be stopped because that's large enough to be stopped by a mask. Right? That's the truth. 0.3 and above is an N95. That's 0.3 microns. Even though, because that's the point, 0.3 my COVID, if it's real, is smaller than that, we're told. So the mask can't stop it. That's why it's not statistically significant in reducing transmission, as well as all the negative deleterious effects from wearing masks in general. It's all peer-reviewed science. But here we have an example of something that they're spraying that they know is somewhat a problem, and they don't even mention it. Why would that be? Isn't that weirdly hypocritical or contradictory? I just find it interesting that in cases everywhere where the mask might actually have a use, they never say a word. And in every single case where it's not, they force it on you. Probably because they seem to want to make people sick in most of these cases, or at least at some level. I go over the mask topic a thousand different ways. The peer-reviewed science that found that cloth masks were increasing your risk of infection, and they made people wear those in particular the first year, or that flu shots were found to increase your risk of coronaviruses and other illnesses by 36%, and they made people, they forced those in a big push before it all, and on and on and on. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Now, to controversy, right from Wikipedia, no spray protests have been called, have called for more organic methods of preventing West Nile fever due to concerns about the potential health and environmental effects of these sprays, specifically Anvil, plus Anvil 10 plus 10, as well as recent studies showing the effect ineffectiveness of the spray. Ineffectiveness. I mean, there's so many angles to get into here because you can show the peer-reviewed studies that are saying this isn't even working the way you think it is, and it is definitely having negative effects on people. Who cares? Well, not only will we use this, we'll use four other ones alongside of it, but it says the active compound not can be, not might be, is an endocrine disruptor. Doesn't that matter to these people? Clearly not, because everything, everywhere under the sun, they use, they, it seems to be an endocrine disrupting chemical, like glyphosate and dioxins and PFAS and atrazine and benzene and everything else we could point at, including the COVID-19 injections. On the record, science. We've talked to many people about this. And here, by the way, I'll, I'll come back to these in a second as well. I did an entire show on this in general. Are endocrine disrupting chemicals causing gender dysphoria? Multiple peer-reviewed studies say, yes, unequivocally, they can. And people are drenched in these things right now. Dr. Peter McCullough and I talked about this, and he definitely thinks there's an issue here. He even overlaps that with hormones and the meats and so on. COVID-19 injections as well. So the point is, it definitely is having an effect on the hormones of organic beings, in particular, small versions of organic beings, you know, children. And then, of course, it's toxic to bees and fish. So doesn't that sound a little different than absolutely no health effects? No, pose no 
okay, significant health risk to people or pets. There have been no reported these. I mean, that's just blatantly untrue. I guess it depends on your definition of what's significant. To them, that's meaningless. So I guess they're right. But let's go through a little further. Anvil 10 plus 10. Again, Samithrin. I think I, yeah, I said Samithrin. And then it's, and it's, and, and, uh, Piperonal butoxide, which is another angle we could get into. I didn't go in that. I just want to get the, the, the main active chemical. There's a lot of, I bet you that's just as problematic. Now, just make sure I missed anything down there. And this is, I found this very interesting as well. So what we're seeing is trucks. We're seeing them spray trucks. And you can see that there these trucks going by. There's cars in front with lights, a van, and then there's the truck. You see right there? Spraying out the back of the truck. So that is, well, so that what this, what this is discussing, and this is from the article we we're just looking at, Anvil 10 plus 10, the one that they are using. Bring that up, let's leave this up so we can see it right there. 10 plus 10, Anvil 10 plus 10. Is the product of choice for aerial applications. Interesting, where it says, whereas Anvil 2 plus 2 is most typically applied by ground, truck. Interesting. Or ULV, ultra-low uh, volume is what they're calling. That's what they're claiming this is. So that's interesting. So they seem to be using the version that's typically sprayed above the in the air, which to me is pretty clearly because it's more concentrated. Whereas 2 plus 2 is ultra-low volume. So they're telling people they're spraying the ultra-low volume while using the version that seems to be used to spray in the air. I, is that an accident? Do they care? You guys can decide. Here's in just Massachusetts in general, just pointing out the the compound in general. And in this year, they point out it's a synthetic uh, pyrethroid. So in the overlap there, I actually, I was going to look at it a little bit more, further, but the idea of a synthetic version of it. You know, so what are we talking about there? Are we getting into the idea of like modified stuff, or is this just so? I mean, what do they mean by synthetic? It's already a chemical, right? It's interesting. So again, there's so many angles we go we go into. At this point, I just want to make sure we see that these things are not safe. So here is specifically 10 plus 10. They do list it as ULV, but it's interesting the point we just showed you. Okay, so you see the same chemicals: samuthrin, mosquito control, insecticide for outdoor, residential, and recreational areas. That's how it's framed. But I want to show you a couple things on this. Now, this one is actually far less concerning to me than the next one. But even so, my point is simply to show you that there is an overlapping effect here. So in one use, if it has an effect that could ultimately have some kind of deleterious effect to you children, to your dog, to you, of course you should have a right to say, I don't want to be sprayed with that. You don't get to argue some greater good. We've already talked about the bioethics conversation. Actually, I haven't even opened that in a long time. Let's see if I can get that to pop up. Look at that right there. The Universal Declaration of Bioethics by UNESCO, you know, the United Nations. And the overlapping point that they say very clearly more than once, the interests and welfare of the individual should have priority over the sole interest of science or society. That's an international discussion that's been signed around the world from the United Nations Educational, Scientific, and Cultural Organization, 2005, which of the United Nations, the U.S. is a part. Right. But yet they call what they always push this idea that they somehow have the right to do this because the greater good that you are less important than the safety of everyone. Well, that's not how that works. According to the United Nations and international law, 
But, you know, what, what does that mean to the United States authoritarian government? So, and then on top of that, also, let's realize they're spraying this stuff 21 times over the process of a few months. That's a little different. Now, in here, where were these parts? Let's see. So, you know, in general, you know, as we showed before, there are, there, it can have irritate, it can irritate your skin, your eyes. It can, uh, minor stuff, but nonetheless, something. And it does say causing a burning or prickling sensation in more sensitive areas. And obviously, if you're a smaller child, it's going to be more pronounced harmful if swallowed so again if it's on the toys the kids are playing with maybe putting in their mouth and outside on the ground maybe you didn't even hear that they were spraying right and it says it says uh, product a- a- aspirated into the respiratory system during ingestion or vomiting may cause mild to severe lung injury well that doesn't sound like there's no possibility of injury no significant adverse effects are expected to occur in short-term exposure Okay, but that's the question about short term now they claim in general about bioaccumulation but I was unable to confirm that and I quite frankly don't think that many of these things now the metabolizing part of this does show that they work. They claim it works out of your body, but to how quickly. And I, I couldn't I couldn't discern that. And ultimately, to me, I think if it's 21 times over a few months, that though, even if it does ultimately metabolize out of your body, that they will end up bioaccumulating to some degree. But I can't confirm that. No significant signs of symptoms indicative of any health are expected to occur. Now, you know the why they say expected to occur? Because I'll show you one of these documents where it seems to suggest that they haven't done most of these studies in whether long-term issues to humans, but they're happily spraying it over the top of you. You know, just like they're using geo mosquitoes, even though we can prove that's an experiment and they don't know for sure whether it's even going to work or whether it's going to hurt you. Because that's what they're finding out. That's why it's an experiment. Now, it says none of these components present in this material at concentrations equal to or greater than 0.1% are listed as being carcinogens. So what that means is when they're over that number, they are, or they can be. Same point. So this is just about playing the game of generally accepted as safe, right? As long as it's below this level, then you're okay. Well, does it grow? Is it worse? Are you spraying more than you should? Did you make a mistake? The point is you shouldn't have to guess. You should be able to say, I don't want to take that risk. Neither do my children. Marginally higher incidences of benign liver tumors in mice were observed following lifetime high-dose exposures to BPO, one of the chemicals we're talking about. So the point is, clearly there is an effect. They just claim, well, it's low enough to where it won't have an issue. But we've already shown throughout history how many times, more often than not, the government says, you're fine, and they're wrong. Agent Orange, DDT, dioxins in general. Everything they're doing to you, pretty much everywhere, glyphosate, COVID injections. I mean, guys, it's ridiculous to think that they're going to go, ah, it's okay, it's not enough. And then we're going to believe that because their entire history has shown that at the very least, they don't care to look where it's inconvenient. And then, you know, my opinion, lie to you all the time. Now, it's, And then it says the significance of these observations are, are under review. Oh, good. But in the meantime, we're going to spray it over your head, though. The doses at which tumors were observed greatly exceeded potential human exposure from labeled uses. Doses at which these effects were observed greatly exceeded anticipated human dietary intake. Okay, well, it's irrelevant. Just because you go, well, it's not enough. It it still implies that it has an effect, even if it's a 0.1% of that effect. I don't want that 0.1% of additional cancer risk, seeing as how everything in our lives seem to be increasing that risk. But we don't factor that part of it in either, you know? All the other things that they're giving you or the foods you're eating or the, the everything else in your life that is adding to that growing risk of all sorts of illnesses. Eyes in general. Now, actually, I don't want to take too long on this because I have a lot to get to. There's a lot of information here. I think the points are already clear, but I want just a couple more on this. 
I think in general, I think that was it here. You know, if swallowed, it's, it could be a problem. So clearly there is some risk, same point. Let's see. I think that was ultimately it. So let's go to the next one. Oh, actually, I forgot. There was a couple more points in here. Then we'll get to the next one. Now, the point that that's about just general risk. Always look up the material safety data sheet. Okay, because they never show this stuff. And that's that is the point. And of course, I would argue that anything is potentially could be compromised, but these things are usually hold they usually hold the, the core information that most people don't even look at about the chemicals themselves. This is getting into the idea of endocrine disrupting chemicals, which all of these things are. And this shows you just very quickly in general. When I forget. Oops. I want to hear it again. Pyrethroid. I knew I was saying it wrong. Pyrethroid. I was saying pyrethroid. Pyrethroid. <laughs> Act- activities of pyrethroid insecticides. And it talks about the overlap. And so remember, that's what these are. That's the category. And then semethrin is the or some uh, is the active chemical in that one they're using. But the semethrin is in, or rather, anvil ten plus ten is in the pyrethroid category. Now it says pyrethroids are commonly used insecticides worldwide, but little has been done to characterize their hormone a- agonist and antagonist potential. How is that possible when it's such an obvious issue that people have talked about? They know it's there. And it's I, my opinion, it's just like dioxins and the rest of them. They're aware, and maybe it's because they didn't know, and now it's too late, and they don't want to go, well, that's our fault. So they just pretend it's not a problem, and maybe just roll it into an agenda, <laughs> right? Or it could be something that they just know they were doing and don't want you to see. But either way, the point is, they're aware of this issue and don't even care to look or study these things as they're using them over your children. Now, Samethrin... Uh, demonstrated significant, significant estrogenicity. That's a big deal. Through these hormonal pathways, exposure to certain pyrethroids may contribute to reproductive dysfunction, developmental impairment, and cancer. I mean, that, and so that's pyrethroids. But that that and a few, and many of these on that list are pyrethroids. But realize that is the general category. But then semethrin in general, we just showed you also in rats gave them cancer. No surprise. We're talking about pesticides. You don't need to be allergic to pesticides to get sick like those ridiculous people on corporate media said. Here is another one from 2006. And just very quickly listed off. I'll just show you really quickly right there. Binding and activating the estrogen receptor, semethrin, the main active chemical in what they're spraying in that one. They know this, guys. They know this. Several pesticides or their metabolites have been reported to possess estrogenicity in vivo, semethrin being one of them. The pyrethroid insecticides, uh, fenlabrate and D-transalethrin seem to antagonize the action of progesterone. It has an effect on your hormonal makeup. It, it disrupts your hormones at, per the name, endocrine disrupting chemicals. Now, this is Department of Health from New York. Where they're currently using this, mind you, look at what it says here. And it is, is Anvil an endocrine disruptor? So they, they spend two paragraphs going, we don't even know. Nobody's even studying it. We're not sure. Like that's supposed to make it better. So, so you don't know, so let's use it in the meantime. I mean, that's, that's the, the core point. 
our knowledge between these exposures is still in development, right? So we're using it anyway. But then it says, when added to cells growing in plastic dishes in a laboratory, high concentrations of simethrin acted like estrogen. That kind of sounds like a choice to me. Now, that could be something like that in regard to some kind of conspiratorial effort, and I mean that in the real sense, or it could just be that this is a byproduct of the gene silencing technology that just so happens to be overlapped with the hormonal side of things, right? You can decide for yourselves. Either way, they know this and they don't care. This suggests that simethrin may interfere with endocrine system function in animals. You're an animal. Although changes in thyroid hormone levels occurred in animals repeatedly exposed to some other pyrethroids, there is no specific studies examining whether or not simethrin or the other components of anvil interfere with endocrine system function in animals. So they never cared to even look. But they care about you. If I'm pregnant, that says, can I, can the spraying affect the pregnancy? Pregnant women should take care to avoid exposures when practical, as the fetus may be vulnerable. That's directly on the New York website for health, and they're spraying it anyway. Although some effects occurred in laboratory animals that were given large amounts of either simuthrin or uh, piperol butoxide, which is the other chemical, during pregnancy, these animals far exceeded the amounts that individuals are likely to contact from spraying of anvil. Okay. So all you're really admitting is it still has an effect. So the pregnant woman should, be, should know that that can have an effect, however small, on your child. And then, of course, the injections you were forced to take and the dioxins in the air and the glyphosate and what you're drinking and everything else is also adding to that. They know all of this. This one is another one from 2011. Effect of endocrine disruptor pesticides. This one lists both of the one we're going to talk about now as well as the next one. It's a, it's a delta methrin. Just right there, just so you can see it before we go to the next one. Oops. So here's some ethrin. Oh, it's, I should have known it was alphabetical. Increase of estrogen-sensitive cells, proliferation, antagonist of the progesterone action. Long story short, it absolutely affects your hormonal makeup. They know this. I think that was the only thing I had in there. Just, you know, just showing you very multiple studies. This goes 2011. That was 2005. They, they go back as far as you want to look. They know this. Oh, I want to add this so you guys remember. Okay, well, let's talk about the next one. This is worse, mind you. Deltamethrin is a pyrethroid. Deltamethrin is toxic to aquatic life, particularly fish. So both things they're spraying are toxic to fish and life in general. Or was it, was it Einstein that said that once bees die, that humans will be next or however that paraphrasing statement goes? Well, why are we spraying all these things that are directly affecting bees or fish? Doesn't that matter? Are we really arguing that stopping a couple hundred people or a few people dying from West Nile is enough to to toxify rivers and streams and kill bees and potentially affect the hormonal makeup of your children? Although generally considered safe to use around humans, it is still neurotoxic. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've talked about this. Neurotoxins are toxins that are destructive to nerve tissue. Neurodevent neurodevelopmental issues. It is an allergen and causes asthma in some people. Guys, in my opinion, that alone is enough to be able to say, I don't want that. What happens if it sprays over a child that has an asthma attack and dies? Oh, guess that's just an accident. 
in humans, it says. And mind you, this is Wikipedia, guys. This is basic. Deltamethrin temporarily attacks the nerve system of any animal with which it comes into contact, period. No, no qualifying statements there. Let me read that again. Deltamethrin temporarily attacks the nerve system of any animal which, with which it comes into contact. Then it says skin contact can lead. And well, first of all, this is in humans. That is the, that is the subcategory. So it talks about allergens, neurotoxins, and asthma. I already mentioned that earlier, though. They literally tell you that this will attack your nervous system temporarily, so it's okay. Skin contact can lead to tingling or reddening of the skin local to the application. Now realize, one here, that we're this is each one of these have these similar... What happens if they spray all four of them? Which is what they're doing. Guaranteed that compounds the issue. If taken in through the eyes or the mouth, the most common symptom is facial paresthesia, which is the, that same kind of thing, the tingling, reddening, and so on, which it says, which may feel like many different abnormal sensations, burning, partial numbness, pins and needles, et cetera. There are no antidotes. Okay, it's typically, it's funny how you don't typically talk about antidotes unless we're talking about a poison, right? And treatments must be symptomatic, which I'm not actually sure what they mean by that as approved by a physician, symptomatic. Treatments must be symptomatic? I'm not sure. Give me what you think about that. Deltamethrin is able to pass from a woman's skin through her blood and into her breast milk. Although breastfeeding remains safe under prevailing conditions. <laughs> what, what that means is we know it goes into breast milk, but the CDC says it's okay. Cool. Or the EPA or the FDA or whatever nonsensical agency we're listening to. But by the way, the point to take away is it definitely goes into the breast milk of your of your of the pregnant women. Doesn't this matter? Let's quickly dance back over here. <laughs> Pesticide safety. There's no problems and there's no issue. Right. Moral of the story. Clearly not. Then it says in South Africa, residues of Delta Methrin were found in breast milk together with DDT in an area that was that used DDT treatment for malaria control. One of the things they're also claiming they're trying to do with GM mosquitoes and spraying and elsewhere, as well as pyrethroids in small-scale agriculture. So what they're telling you is not only do we know this goes into breast milk, we have documented uh, accounts of women in South Africa where they were spraying this before in their breast milk, along with other problematic things we still use that we pretend we're not allowed to, or pretend that we stopped using because we're not allowed to. In 2015, study conducted in France found a negative correlation between deltamethrin exposure measured through the presence of a metabolite in the urine and cognitive scores in infants. Come on, guys. I mean, it's all Wikipedia. Not that that means that it's true, but it means that that's mass adoption. Like, that, that's the general accepted narrative. You're telling me you have peer-reviewed science? They do, which finds that the, the, the overlap specifically with deltamethrin exposure? Translates? into lowered cognitive scores in infants? I mean, my God. I mean, that, that is one that, that right there is a provable, documented, scientific point, and you could try to challenge it. My point is they barely study this stuff. They know that it affects endocrine, uh, the, the endocrine system. They know that there are potential cancerous effects, but, oh, it's just too small to matter, and they have science that shows that it lowers the cognitive ability of infants in France. But let's keep using it. This is just one of the ones they're using. Here's the MSDS sheet. 
I mean, I don't even think we need to do this because of how clearly that just showed you how dangerous it was. But this is pretty alarming in this one. May cause skin, skin irritations. Let's see. One second. My apologies. So this does actually get pretty interesting in here. When possible, have the product container or label with you. Where was this point? I couldn't, it's hard to highlight these PDFs. So dangerous gases are all the fire. Where was it? Let's see. There were some that stood. I think I'm just, I'm making sure I'm missing anything up here. The point is when you get to the overlaps and the risks and so on, handling and storage exposure, I know there was something. I'm just I make sure I don't miss this here. Okay. Here we go. Eye irritation, harmful if swallowed. Inhalation, ingestion, eye contact. Like, so you're literally using something that is dangerous when inhaled, that is being sprayed into the air, that lowers the cognitive ability of infants, that affects, translates into breast milk. I mean, it's just outrageous to me that this is even possible but it's been going on much longer than we know. Deltamethrin caused neurobehavioral effects and or neuropathological changes in animal studies. Guys, I mean, the animal studies are done for a reason. You don't just get to pretend, well, they're animals, they're smaller, so it doesn't translate. I mean, that's like Pfizer-level nonsense. Neurobehavioral effects and or neuropathological changes in animals. Your children, you, you're all animals. The toxic effects of deltamethrin are related to transient hyperactive typical for parethroid neurotoxicity. Oh, it's common problems that we pretend aren't there. Deltamethrin was not mutagenic or genotoxic in a battery of in vitro and in vivo tests, was not carcinogenic in lifetime feeding studies of rice and uh, rice, mice and rats. Now, here's what's interesting. They did not cause reproductive toxicity in these studies, right? But what are we ta- what are we talking about? I mean, th- these are the kind of things when these are studies done by the companies, which is what they usually are. If we can see that there is effects, what's the level where it reaches toxicity to the people doing these studies? And these are the points we need to ask because it really doesn't matter whether they think it's dangerous. It matters whether it does and can have an effect and whether you think that matters. Deltamethrin caused developmental toxicity only at a dose levels toxic to the dams. The developmental effects seen in this are related to maternal toxicity. Toxic to fish, toxicity to aquatic invertebrates. I mean, it lists all these off just like many we've seen. By the way, also like soil tech in the Lahaina conversation, toxic to fish, even though they're spraying along the ocean. I mean, just for the sake of time, I mean, I think the point is pretty clear. I think there, I know there was something else in here harmful if swallowed. That these things are dangerous. Me, the big point for me is the endocrine disrupting chemical side of it, the neurotoxicity, the effects on children, on animal, fit, bees, fish, environmental aspects. Here is under National Pesticide Information Center. Deltamethrin is a chemical of the class parethroid, just again, so you can see that. Now, down here, signs of toxicity in animals. Dogs exhibited vomiting, hyper excitability, stiffness in the hind legs, and impaired body movement. 
when, of course, at a certain level, they're telling you they're not doing. My point is simply the same. It has an effect. So whether it is a small amount or not, that is a small amount of that effect. That's the reality. There's not some level where it just suddenly doesn't matter. It does have a small effect. Maybe you're not going to notice it, but I care about that. Especially when, again, you're talking about compounding issues of other things in this toxic soup we live in today. Paresthesia was the most commonly reported symptom in humans. And we just talked about the different effects of, you know, the way it's, you know, I, I actually think that overlaps with more than just a skin problem. When you're having all these weird feelings and sensations, I think that might be more neuro overlap than you think. But a 25-year-old female diagnosed with severe occupational poisoning from contact and inhalation exposure. Why? Because she was spraying it in cotton fields. Think about that. So yeah, you're spraying it. So you're likely getting a more of an overlap. But the point is, these are people spraying this. Now, was she being, was she in a suit or not? I don't know. Either way, the bottom line is that's a person who was deploying this stuff. She had poisoning, occupational poisoning from it. Yes, it's dangerous. Exhibited dizziness, nausea, headache, fatigue, blurred vision, loss of appetite, sensations of burning, tingling in the face, vomiting, vertigo, disrupted sleep, twitching in muscles of the legs and arms, convulsion, sensitive to light, loss of bladder control, and loss of consciousness. But no big deal, though. Your children can go right back out. Male rats were administered delta methrin orally for 65 days at a dose of 1 to 2 milligrams, kilograms a day. Plasma testosterone levels were reduced as early as day 14 and continued to be low 21 days post-treatment. No human data was found on endocrine-disrupting effects, which means they don't care to look because I think they know what they'll find. The U.S. EPA classified it as not likely to be a carcinogen. I love when they do that, which means it probably is. I mean, quite frankly, I mean, we've seen they did the same thing with all with what was it? Um, I'm forgetting the main one we've talked about, but there's many times they've made this kind of half hearted statement. It's pretty typical for them under animals. Again, reproductive issues. Male rats administered delta methrin orally for 65 days at doses of one to two milligrams showed significantly lower testicular prostate gland and seminal vesicle weight. So yes, it's a higher dose, but they saw significantly lower. So can we, by logic, argue that a smaller amount, you'll get a less significant but lower testicular issue and prostate gland issue? Most likely. The mating success of treating rats was reduced by 50% during the study and for two months afterwards. At both doses. Mating success. So 50% lower reproductivity. And the point is they're spraying this 21 times over multiple months over these people's houses. Young rats were approximately 16 and seven times more sensitive. That's uh, 11 and then 21, 11 and up and then 21 and up. So 16 and seven respectively times more sensitive to orally administered deltamethrin adult rats respectively. The point there, ignore the, the amount. Young rats were more susceptible, sensitive than older rats. Big surprise. Your children are more at risk than you. Same thing here. And I just think for the sake of timing, this is just the, oh, oh, that's what it was. I included both on this one. This is uh, the insecticide here. And this was the Delta Guard in particular, Delta Methrin ingredient alone. I do think this one was a, a lot more alarming for that matter. It says here, this product is extremely toxic to fish and aquatic invertebrates. Why is anybody okay with that? Why are they okay with that? Isn't the EPA supposed to care about the environment? You're spraying something 
And by the way, the, the point, this is the, le- this is the main active ingredient in Delta Guard, Delta Methrin, we're talking about. Extremely toxic to fish and aquatic life. I guarantee that has an effect somewhere. Yeah, and then it says the product in the environment do not allow it to enter the runoff in the storm drains or drain ditches or gutters. Well, I guarantee that's happening. You're spraying it in the air. Not for use on plants being grown for sale or other commercial use. What if you're growing it? What if you have a garden in your front yard? None of this stuff matters to these people. Not for use in commercial greenhouses, farms, grass grown for seed. It says apply this product directly to the lawn or grass area, water treated or the area. Do not water to the point of runoff. I mean, are they, they're not announcing any of this stuff. I don't think they care about it. In New York, that's interesting. In New York State, product may not be applied to turf within 100 feet of a coastal marsh or stream that drains directly into a coastal marsh. For control of turf insects other than ticks in New York State, a second application may be made after two weeks if target insect actively persists. (laughs) Fantastic. So I wonder how close they are to coastal marshes in this area. Please let me know, because that may be a violation right there. Probably don't care anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the same thing, guys. This stuff is bad. It's dangerous. And all this is all in here for you to look through for yourself. Uh, yeah, say I just multiple versions of the same thing, and they're all pretty damaging. And I, I think some of these are far more alarming than some of the other ones, but I'm going to go past it because I want to get into the other parts before we go too long here. Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you would think. It's dangerous. It'll hurt you. Here is a study of pyrethroid insecticide exposure and cognitive development disabilities in children. <laughs> yeah, it's it's real. And these are studies that are finding that there are, in effect, cognitive abilities that reduce the cognitive abilities of children. Low-level child exposures to, to deltamethrin in particular and to pyrethroid insecticides in general may negatively affect neurocognitive development by six years of age. Low-level exposures, which is what they're using, are affecting the cognitive ability of children. This is not even that old. This is from 2015. They've been spraying this the entire time. They know this. They don't care. So if you want to know more about this and ge- this topic in general, here are a couple articles where you can wa- hear us talk about endocrine interrupting chemicals in general. But here we are. This is from June 3rd, by the way. So it's been going on, like we showed you. They're spraying to prevent West Nile. That's what they're saying. Definitely happening. So how dangerous is West Nile? Let's look at the CDC, which, by the way, probably means it's way, way less dangerous than what they're saying. But let's just take what they're saying at face value for now. West Nile virus is the leading cause of mosquito-borne disease in the U.S. Okay, so if it's the leading cause of disease, by default, that means that all the rest of the issues, yellow fever, dengue, Zika, which we'll talk about later in the show, are less dangerous or less problematic, right? This is the leading cause of disease. So the rest of them cause less issue. Well, maybe some of them, they argue, may be more deadly, but just understand they're claiming West Nile has the most cases and problems, and that's why they're focusing on it, Okay. So when I go through and show you, this seems to be pretty minimal. Realize that means that so too are the rest of them if this one is the most. And yet they're, ever, they're talking about doing things for malaria and doing things that same thing. It is mostly common, sp- commonly spread to people by the bite of a mosquito. Cases of West Nile virus occur during mosquito season, which start in the summer and continue through fall. All right, so they're spraying now. 
There are no vaccines to prevent medications to treat this in people, it says. Fortunately, most people infected with this do not feel sick. Okay, well, it's easy enough. So right out of the gate, most people don't even get sick. Interesting. So what we just went through seems uh, quite a lot of risk for something that doesn't seem to affect most people. About one in five who are infected, so we're told, even develop a fever or symptoms at all. So we should legitimately argue whether they're even sick in this asymptomatic game they seem to play. Not that that's not possible, but the point is, in this case, that might be there. But so we have, first of all, one in five who even develop symptoms, okay? About one out of 150. Now, you could, look, this is what's interesting. Right out of the gate, if you've got one in five, right? So 20% even end up getting sick. If they then say one in 150 develop serious, sometimes fatal illness, that does not line up for me. What I believe they're saying is one, because it's one out of five even end up getting sick. And then I believe within that 20%, one out of 150 infected people develop serious illness. But you can read that how you want. I don't think those numbers add up unless it reads that way. But it says you can reduce your risk by using insecticide repellent and wearing long sleeve shirts and so on. So that to me doesn't sound like a serious risk. Here are the overall numbers. This is for this year. So we're only up to September. They're telling us that through all of the year, all of the the, the nine months so far, 1,150 cases in general. You, You realize that like literally everything we talk about has more than that? I mean, everything they point at is way more than that. Then they say that they have neuroinvasive human disease cases, which is interesting to me. So what there's, there's, there's different angles to this. They say you can get this, you can get sick, super sick. And, you know, just the symptoms and you go, you go to the hospital. But then on top of that, even in some cases where you're not that severely ill can end up with this neuroinvasive neuro, you know, uh, encephalitis problem. Now, to me, doesn't really make sense a lot. But again, who knows? I'm not, a, I'm not an expert in this topic. But we should ask whether or not there's another game being played here. They're giving out, I mean, let's just, you know, just taking the COVID injection, which we can prove with at least two studies I have that the encephalitis overlap or swelling of the brain can be caused by these injections or just neuro, neuroinvasive neurodevelopmental issues or just neurological issues can be caused by these injections as well as plenty of others. So you got 740 of these people, which by the way, if you're taking these numbers does not even add up with what they just said over here but saying that these people have all these neuroinvasive problems. Then they say reporting disease case, states reporting human disease cases, 44. So I'm not, so when they're saying total human cases in 2023, that's, that's actually, hold on a second. I think I misread this the first time through. The numbers, first of all, the same point. The numbers are low, guys. That's low, okay? This is the whole country and you can see it all right here. New York only has 17 cases, 17, not no deaths as far as I can tell. And they're spraying 21 times over three months, four months. Doesn't make much sense to me, but total human disease cases includes neuroinvasive. I don't understand how that makes sense. What, how is there states reporting human disease cases? Oh, I'm sorry. Now I see what I'm misreading. So they're saying there are 44 states reporting that they have cases. What a weird thing to report. Now, anyway, so the point is, that's not very much. And here, here it is broken down by, by county. <laughs> Look at New York. 
What are we talking about? There's nothing going on here. There seems to be, I mean, I don't even think this map overlaps with what they just said. This map shows. There's 17 cases here. I can't find a single county in this New York area that has any cases, according to this. Or maybe, is that, yeah, that looks, oh, that's the one right there. Okay. Oh, that's Connecticut. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, anything that seems to be in New York does not have a case. Anyway, so, same point. Does not seem very dangerous. All right? I mean, am I wrong? I mean, you tell me what I'm missing. And and I'll go, there's more cases here, and this is just local. So this one is, the DHEC confirms the first death, they claim, from West Nile. Now, interestingly enough, if this happened in 2021, I can almost guarantee you it would have been called COVID-19. But either way, the point is, through all of 2022, the entire year, well, let's just take up to to September 12th. So it's kind of like the same time where we are now. It says right here, there's been 11 cases confirmed so far. Nine of which are in Midland, six of them in Richmond County. Now it says the department said that less than 1% of infected people develop potentially fatal brain swelling. Most infected individuals have no symptoms. One in five become ill within two to 14 days with symptoms such as fever, headache, joint pain, muscle pain, occasional vomiting, nausea. Look at that. Another identical overlap to COVID-19. Isn't that strange? Including even what the injection actually causes, or rather, we should point out the illusion of COVID-19. These symptoms may have come with the sensitivity to light, inflammation of the eyelids or a rash. All those things have overlapped with all these vaccine side effects, at the very least. But what the point is, the first death for the state one death in the entire year is enough, they're claiming. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't matter that people are dying. My point is, there's a thousand... The office point every year about tuberculosis that kills millions of people and nobody talks about it. It, it. This is a choice, which makes me very suspicious about why it's being focused on. This is an article from 2021. Deaths due to West Nile virus are on the rise. And by late September, it says there were 123 cases of West Nile in Arizona and four deaths. So same kind of thing. Now going two years back, they're saying there was only four deaths in the whole state. 123 cases. Nationally, as of September 21st, the CDC reported 400 of the entire country in nine months. Does it sound like a justifiable reason to spray this stuff over your children? Doesn't to me. It says studies suggest that about one in five, same thing, infected will have symptoms. Those symptoms can include all the things that they call COVID-19. One in 150 will develop severe disease, they say. Same kind of point we just read. Among those with severe disease, the risk of death is about one in 10. So you see my point? That's how they're doing that. So one in five, and then within that 20, one in 50, one in 150 will get serious disease. And then among the ones that are serious, one in 10 will die. Like that's a way to make that seem larger when it's really pretty sparse, if you ask me. Then here's an interesting overlap before we kind of the latter half of the show, we get into the flying vaccinators, genetically modified mosquitoes, ethnic weapons, and how all this ties together or could is that there has already been a weird, confusing overlap between coronavirus and West Nile. What do you know? So what's interesting here is the numbers don't seem to be a a serious risk. So my ultimate wonder here is whether this has already been something that has been kind of used and manipulated. Let's put it that way. Coronavirus or West Nile, the article reads, CDC reports 17 cases of mosquito disease that prevents present symptoms similarly to COVID-19. 
It says mosquitoes do not carry COVID, but because the symptoms are so similar, you'll need to talk with your doctor. So what's interesting is you read through this and they basically go, okay, well, they're very, very similar, like identical symptoms. However, when it gets severe, oh, that's when we can tell the difference because they present differently with severe cases, right? That's what they say anyway, except we have this. May 2021, a fatal case of West Nile virus in a woman misdiagnosed as SARS-CoV-2. Well, so that kind of challenges the narrative, doesn't it? So if these people are dying from West Nile and they're still identifying it as SARS-CoV-2, there's your point. Either that was the choice to make it for profit or whatever else, or these things are overlapping in the ways all of these things seem to be. Now, there's, this is one of those points that seems to add credence to the idea that there, we clearly don't understand or maybe we're wrong entirely about viruses in general and germ theory because everything seems to overlap these days in the way they apply it. We should simply be able to ask these questions. Okay, so that stood out to me. Now, I'll be quite honest, going through this today, there's, there's something in all this that I still feel like I'm missing. There seems There's some kind of a connective point. Somebody out there, I'm sure, is going to put something bigger together. Please let me know. That feels like there's more to this that connects. And you'll see what I mean as we finish the latter half here. And this part in particular, what is going on here? Why are they la- overlapped? Why are they identifying it as COVID coronavirus? And why... Is Are we now seeing a weird pivot back into this West Nile spraying conversation? Not just New York, by the way, or the spraying from malaria or the mosquitoes from malaria or the mosquito GM mosquitoes for West Nile. They're doing all of these things. I don't know. You tell me what you think. Now, before we get into the GM mosquito part of it, just pointing out in general. And again, I, I think it's important that we ask these questions as much as people will dismiss these things as conspiracy theory, despite this being based on peer-reviewed science. An entire show I did this on. There's even another discussion that they just successfully vaccinated somebody with what they say were aerosolized mRNA in a new version, right? That's, that was actually only a week ago, or a couple weeks ago. This is further than that. This goes back to May. Dual use. I covered this in May 24th, 2023. New aerosolized mRNA delivering nanoparticles can vaccinate or they can eliminate. And that's their study, guys. The idea being, like we keep telling you, any one of these things are dual-use technology. The RNA tech in general, the, the flying vaccinators, the GM mosquitoes, the, the COVID-19 injections, the, the simple concept of the mRNA lipid nanoparticle delivery system. It's a payload system. That goes all the way back to Charles Lieber, Robert Langer, and the decades of research they've done with all sorts of things, biosurveillance, virus-sized transistors, and all these things that people don't want to hear or talk about because it sounds scary. So I wonder, simply wonder whether that might be something that's happening. And that gets super conspiratorial for some people, but the reality being that, and again, that, that, see, that, there's an example of how you shouldn't use that word. I take that back. But it's, it gets into the idea that we're discussing things that people perceive as you know a false story. But we should be able to ask these questions. Because we know we've talked about self-spreading vaccines. We've talked about things just like this. And now suddenly we see COVID rising back up, they say. And well, suddenly we're watching these spraying trucks go along, you know, in a time when it seems that it wouldn't normally happen. Because again, it's not that new. But on that note in general, as we get into this next part, let's play this again for those that might not have seen it. So we realize that there is an issue here that we might be dealing with. And we should always be on guard if we see them spraying something anywhere. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, the word virus has been dominating media headlines as well as our daily lives. Did you know that one approach that has been proposed to control virally transmitted diseases is by releasing a virally transmitted vaccine? 
Unlike traditional vaccines, infectious vaccines do not require any individual consent. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture and are currently making their way through the regulatory approval process. However, do we really want to intentionally disperse these modified viruses outside the lab? Is this a forward march of science or a mistake? Join our live event at the 2020 Euroscience Open Forum to explore these questions using 2020. So they discussed this, and this is important because this overlaps with the insect allies conversation, the many different points we're going to make around this that go all the way back and far before even the Zika overlap, right? The encephal, was it, what is it, the encephalitis? I forget. We'll get to it in a second. Don't you know the, the weird oblong head shape problem they said was overlap with Zika, even though we, at the time we, I wrote an article about it, wondering out loud whether this was the GM mosquitoes they were using for Zika that were released in the exact same areas that later caused exactly what they said was meant to stop. It's important to think about. Right. So here we have an example of something that they're already pointing out. And we've got entire shows about self-spreading vaccines that are very real. They've been working on since before COVID-19. Johns Hopkins had an entire document about literally human to human self-spreading vaccines, as well as animal to animal. So is that something that might be happening? We should not be afraid to ask that question. I also talked about this going back even further to 90s and before where the U.S. government openly worked on a my uh, here. I'll just grab this one, too, since we're getting them. It's about Ralph Barrick. You know, we just we just played that great video from Dr. David Martin and the WHO overlap and the bioweapons research. Right. So we know on this one we can prove. Oops. Did the same one. We do this. There we go. So the point is, we know that Ralph Barrick and the U.S. government worked on weaponizing coronaviruses. Whether, you know, that's and that's not that's not even the, the gain of function dual use discussion. This is a open discussion about coronavirus inducing myocarditis. Right? It's, it's right in their own documentation. Now, I thought I'd grab it really quickly, but <laughs> hold on a second now that I'm going for it. Where was it? Here we go. I think. Yeah. Oh, just for those that believe, I mean, it's, you know, people will dismiss things so quickly because they don't want to look at it. This is from his own documents. Coronavirus induced myocarditis in rabbits. They were literally studying and trying to find ways to create myocarditis using coronaviruses. This is Ralph Barrick's own curriculum posted on his own. This is his documentation from his own schooling. I mean, for his own location. That's it's from North Carolina University of Chapel Hill. So we know they were working on weaponizing this stuff. And then the main reason I'm bringing this up is then they they very clearly using documentation. I showed in this 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 episode worked to aerosolize it in the caves amongst the bats. It's a public conversation. They just pretend it's no, no way related to what's going on today. All that's very important. So, coming off of this conversation on the idea of what they might be using, let's talk about the idea of genetically modified mosquitoes and what else might be being used. Oops, forgot that was there. My point in this is whether or not we're being experimented on. Right. And I real I think we can prove that with the idea of what these mosquitoes ultimately are. Now, here is an example from 2008. And we've talked about this throughout COVID-19, but let's realize this is not a new topic, guys. 
production of a transgenic mosquito as a flying syringe to deliver protective vaccine via saliva. That's very clear. Okay. Professor Hiroyuki uh, Matsuoka of the Jichai Jichi Medical University in Japan. Very, very simple. The mosquito that can produce and secrete a malaria vaccine protein into the host's skin. Now, the point is the protein. It's the same thing they're doing today. The same protein delivery kind of concept, guys. It's a little different, obviously. Not not the same mRNA style, I don't believe. But either way, the point is that we're going to see this overlap of the concept of the protein in regard to the GM mosquitoes, the flying vaccinators, and damn near everything else, including the injection they're giving you trying to today, which hopefully you're refusing. Now, this links to this, more information about, you know, what this is all related to. Grand glo- uh, Global Grand Challenges, just so you can see clearly what they're tr- arguing this is about. Create new ways of protecting against infectious diseases. Here is an article from 2008, Washington Post. Flying syringes and other bold ideas. This is in Bangkok. Oh, and look at this interesting little picture over here. Bill Gates, co-founder of Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, gives a baby the oral oral polio vaccine that we now know is very dangerous and actually causes polio. And now we're fighting polio vaccine-derived polio strains all around the world. Great job, guys. Let's let them do the same thing with mosquitoes and foods and everything else, right? It's mind-blowing, the stupidity of people today. This is in Bangkok. Announced in Bangkok, the grants are the first stage of a $100 million five-year project with Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation hopes will encourage research into innovative medical ideas. It says in making picks, the foundation has rejected the widespread practice of peer review, assigning other specialists in the field to evaluate the research. Now, two things are interesting there. One, which guarantees that they won't get picked apart by people that are going to go, well, that's dangerous. Well, that's, that's a weapon. That's dual use technology, which typically happens before, right? But what's also interesting is they go, well, that's because peer review excludes innovative in- innovation. <laughs> Wasn't that exactly what we're saying today? Trust the science. And we're going, well, people that step outside of the norm are usually the ones that break you know, exactly the same point. So yes, again, they know the same things they use against us and they just didn't care what we thought. Now, it says the winning grants offer a bewildering array of ideas from a bewildering array of researchers. Again, we go to Hiroyuki Matsuoka, same person in Japan, wants to turn mosquitoes into flying syringes to deliver vaccines rather than illness. Nobel laureate Andrew Fire is going to look at whether turning off a single, turning off single genes, there's your, that's your gene silencing, gene genetic editing, by a technique called RNA interference can be used to fight viral infections. That's in 2008. Okay, so this, guys, is being presented today as the next step past the COVID-19 mRNA platform. Here is, uh, uh, how did I say it last time? Alan Alan Lamb? Alan Alan Lamb? (laughs) This is Robert Langer's company. Robert Langer, the co-founder of Moderna. And he is the one working on, oops, I was going to grab this while I'm trying to talk, RNA, pioneering RNAi therapeutics, otherwise, otherwise known as RNA interference technology, an innovative new class of medicines. In our robust pipeline of investigational RNAi therapeutics, it is currently focused on 14, or excuse me, on disease in four therapeutic areas, genetic diseases, cardiometabolic diseases, infectious diseases, and central nervous system, and ocular diseases. 
Say so there you so the guy who created the technology used in the COVID injection is the co-founder of Moderna is now working on the next step, even though, by the way, these are the same. This is the same technology they're using over here to create mosquitoes that will literally kill or or genetically uh, silence other mosquitoes. So realize that is one, the same tech overlap happening in these COVID injections that is dual use. And so, too, is this. They can be used as weapons. Quite frankly, that seems to be what they're doing, even if it's by mistake. So Bill Gates flying vaccines using mosquitoes and his funding going to it using RNA interference technology that is dangerous and is about ethnic weapons, gene silencing, genetic engineering, all sorts of things. Let me close some tabs real quick. Sorry, didn't think I had that many. <laughs> Here we go. Okay. So I, I did that because I wanted to show you this really quickly, but the point, where were we? RNA Tech, 2008. Where was it? No, you know what? I'm going to wait. So I, I'm going I'm to try to find it. And the point, oh, here we go. This is the one. We'll come back to this. Let's re- realize, since at least acknowledged since 2017, the U.S. military invested $100 million in genetic extinction technologies. The U.S. military, DARPA, not for your health, not for, for anything other than weapons. That is what we're talking about. Genetic extinction technology, that's RNA, RNAi, that is COVID-19 mRNA platform technology. All of this stuff overlaps with this, and we'll show you what I mean when we get there. Oh, and, and I'll include this. This is Robert Langer. The coronavirus common denominator, as Whitney called him, tied to Charles Lieber. Now, here are just a few examples. This is MIT, Technology Review. Mosquitoes engineered into flying vaccinators. Like, What's funny is this conversation is regarded as fake news to many people today. Despite how very, I mean, it's endless. They've been doing this for decades, guys. At least researching it, which, I mean, it's hard to believe it's not being used. We know that it is, by the way. But, you know, the question is whether it's actually being used on a massive scale. But it's amazing, isn't it? How things can be dismissed today when we can prove it. 2010. Researchers in Japan have transformed mosquitoes into flying uh, flying vaccine carriers, carrying syringes by genetically engineering the insects to express the vaccine for this one thing they're aiming it toward, transmitted by the sand fly in their saliva. So all of this is based on basically another version of the same kind of platform. All they're really doing is using the same vehicle, the vector, which they're now using even viruses to do that exact kind of concept. And this and just exchanging out the sequence, the, the protein they're going to deliver through the saliva. Now, by the way, realize that's not a vaccine, guys. That's the point is even way back then they knew the direction they were going into the idea of genetic therapy or excuse me, gene therapy, using the protein to, I mean, it's it's very interesting how they knew this and they're lying to us about it the entire time. Here's the same science.org uh, web, uh, article. Researchers turn mosquitoes into flying vaccinators. Again, we have the idea from the same year, by the way, same year of GM mosquitoes and Gates being and Gates funding it. The trial strains ties in their Gate-funded project. It says on, G, on November 11th, Oxitec. The main culprit that overlaps with all of this, the military, with the COVID-19 injections, with the gene silencing technology, all of it. DARPA, on November 11th, 
British company Oxitec announced that it had that it carried out the world's first small outdoor trial, which means it's not an experiment. That means anybody in that area is now affected with transgenic. Uh, I forget. I, I forgot to look this up. Uh, Ideas. Uh, Igypti. Let's look it up, actually. Because that it's what this is the type of mosquito. Now, this is going to come up throughout all of this. The same type of mosquito, which you could simply argue is because they just think it's the most it's susceptible, usable. Hold on a sec. Why does that look different? There it is. All right. I guess there's too many things in here. Let's see how to pronounce it. Aedes aegypti. So the Aedes aegypti mosquito is the one we're seeing throughout all of this. One's delivering vaccines. The one's being used to genetically modify. They claim to stop these things. Very interesting. And the same overlap. So going all the way back to, to 2010 or 2009, we have Oxitec, who the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation is funding to do this for a lot of things, including malaria carried out the world's first, they claim, trans- transgenic uh, 80s Egypti mosquitoes in the Caribbean island of the Grand Caymans. And that's what we're going to show you toward the latter half of this segment that they're telling you it didn't work. And in fact, it lowered their immunity, their their their, 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 their uh, immune system, and it, it actually increased the population and made them stronger of the, of, the, of the mosquitoes. Now, it says the program was funded by at a $19.7 million grant from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Very interesting. Some are questioning why the company stayed mum for so long, calling it a strategic mistake that provides critics of genetic modification with fresh ammunition. Like the point is they're keeping this secret guys and they want to act like they're, it's it's the same game they play everywhere else. And now, now it's, that's why most people don't realize this is real, but so you're taking this all, it started way before that, as far as we could tell, jumping forward to at least 2021, they're proposing this under the guise of helping for COVID-19. What if we use mosquitoes to vaccinate people? Japan actually already did it, which they did. Here's one of the many studies. This is from, you could find many of these where it's very clear. This is from 2022, mind you. So that's, this is not the earlier example of Japan. This goes fur, further into the COVID-19 discussion where other people are doing the same thing. This case for malaria. Vaccine was administered, get this, three or five times by infected mosquito bites. So there's one of the earliest issues here, just like we saw with the self-spreading vaccine point. Oh, that's right. No informed consent. You don't get to choose. Maybe you get 14 of them in one sitting. Is that safe? Who cares? That's where we're at. And there, and again, this is not questioning research. This is happening and has been going on for years. I mean, and on top of that, realize that's the point to make now. Why are they needing to spray so often if they've been doing this for years, which is supposed to lower the population of mosquitoes? Either it's not working or this is how it's supposed to work. Now, they say they say three or five times by infected mosquito bites per immunization and did not cause any breakthrough infections. These results support further development of genetically attenuated uh, sporozytes as potential malaria vaccines. Right. They're using these to deliver vaccination. They have confirmed that they did it, or at least that's what they're telling us. Here is an NPR article. A box of 200 mosquitoes did the vaccinating in this malaria trial. That's not a joke. 2022. Now here, Carolina Reed gets her blood drawn as part of this clinical trial, new experimental malaria, malaria vaccine. 
And down here, oh, look at this. Yuck. Down here, which says, as for Reed, her experience was so positive that she went on to participate in clinical trials for bird flu for the Moderna vaccine. <laughs> I wonder if she's still alive. The point is that that seems pretty crazy. Just she's, I'm going to keep doing these trials my whole life. It's like, that seems wildly ridiculous. I don't even believe it, quite frankly. The point is, at least they're telling you. They use these mosquitoes to vaccinate this person or what, or rather just translate the, the, the protein that they wanted to translate. Experimental. So if they're using these in open areas, which we can prove they are, they don't care that they're experimenting on you and nobody else does either. December 2021, excuse me, December 21st, 2012. So again, it goes back two years after the 2010 discussion, ethical issues in field trials of genetically modified disease-resistant mosquitoes. So making it clear that they've already, even before they announced it to people, were releasing these things into areas which they can't control. In the last decade, so that means from 2002 to 2012, scientists have developed mosquitoes that have been genetically modified to prevent transmission of mosquito-borne diseases, and field trials have been conducted. So sometime between 2002 and 2012, they've been doing multiple experiments on you without your knowledge. Welcome to the United States. Some mosquitoes have been rendered infertile. Some have been equipped with a vaccine they transmit to humans, and some have been des des designed to resist diseases. Don't miss that. This is a peer-reviewed study on the NIH National Library of Medicine that is openly stating that sometime between 2010 and 2012, they had already used and equipped, equipped mosquitoes to deliver, to deliver vaccines to humans. That's not supposed to be the narrative. This article focuses on ethical issues raised by field trials of disease-resistant mosquitoes, genetically modified. Some of the issues include protecting the public and environmental environment from harm. Yeah, balancing benefits and risks, collaborating with the local community, avoiding exploitation, and safeguarding the rights and welfare of research subjects. Yeah, maybe we should talk about that before we release them, right? One of the most difficult problems involves protecting the welfare of community members who will be impacted by the release, but who aren't enrolled in the study. Yeah, you think? This is not in a controlled area, guys. I'll prove it to you as we go further. They're, right to this very day, it's still under an experimental allowance. A permit. This really kind of blows my mind how wantonly criminal all of this is. Since the justification of any field trial depends on a careful examination of the scientific and ethical issues, proposed studies should be evaluated on a case-by-case -case basis. Yeah, they read this like the rest of the ones and go, we don't care. I kept going anyway. And same thing, I think, down here at the bottom. Or no, I, just, I think I just got rid of it. The same points at the bottom, the conclusion. Now, here's just really a, a quick step back before we get into the fact checks claiming none of this is true and and the genetically modified kind of flying uh, or at the the overlaps to this in general. So I want people to understand this is not new in any sense. This is talking about a government study in the 50s that utilizes mosquitoes in regard to trying to find out if they can be bioweapons in the 50s. That's their own documentation. This is February 4th, 2021 from USA Today. Swarms of mosquitoes. How a secret military experiment. Now, here's what's funny. This is the point I make when, they, when they're trying to, you know, whether they like contradict previous lies or whatever. The point is, in this case, they were so desperate to get the black community to take their injections that they were going out of their way to explore. Oh, look, we know about this. We know about Tuskegee, even though we used to pretend those were fake news. And that's why they're hesitant, but it's okay because we're, you know, trying to like normalize it. 
Well, it says secret military experiment left black Georgians wary of COVID vaccines. Yeah, it's not that they're smart enough to see through your lies. It's not that they're aware of the scientific research, right? No, of course not. Because as Biden said, they're all, they're all, uh, we don't have diplomas, right? He literally just said that, by the way, whether it was a mistake or not, saying that those populations are the ones without high school education. The point is that is inherently insulting. The point is they're just as likely as anybody else anywhere to be able to re-see through how clearly criminal what you were doing is. Here's what it says. Black Americans are more hesitant than white Americans to get the COVID vaccine. The reasons for that hit close to home in Savannah, Georgia, where a classified military operation in the 50s dropped hundreds of thousands of mosquitoes, mosquitoes that many believe were infected with disease. They didn't tell anybody that it happened, says the county commissioner. <laughs> Great. Now it says down here, what was the big buzz? It was called the big buzz experiment. A United Press International newspaper article reported about it when it documents were declassified in 1980. Guys, this is nothing new. The narrative changes. The people uh, conducting the experiments change. The agenda seems to remain the same. Swarms of mosquitoes, the type notorious for transmitting yellow fever, were released in Georgia and Florida in the 1950s by the army, you know, to see if the insects could be used as biological warfare weapons. Documents show. So they were just like Operation Sea Spray or the other 259 times they've admitted to testing on you with biological weapons or substances, bacteria, pathogens, whatever. They've admitted to that over the years. Here's one more example. They don't care. And but guess what? The real question for you should be, is that still what is going on today? The Chemical Corps tested the, pra the practicality of employing, hey, the Aegis, the Aegis Aegypti. Isn't that an interesting overlap? Whether they could carry biological warfare agents. So it's interesting that the classified document, now unclassified, from the 50s, where the U.S. Army was using specifically or trying to find out whether the 80s Egypti mosquitoes could be used to carry biological weapons. And it's just such an interesting overlap that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation happens to be using them to deliver vaccines today, so we're told, or to create GM mosquitoes to stop the other ones. Even though we're all of this is talking about the overlaps that tie right back to the COVID injection and the same gene silencing technology they're using, well, this is the dual-use tech. My point is, they figured it out. They realized, yes, this will work, and they went forward with that. And now they're just finding ways to fine-tune this in very specific genetic... Like, now we're at a technological advanced stage where they're trying to find ways to use genetic editing technology in a lot of very active, current, high-level ways that they're telling you that's the future. So just recognize that it all started with whether we could use it as a weapon. Pretty, pretty classic for the U.S. government, or any government for that matter. Now here is where it gets especially interesting. So jump forward to 2019, right? So the evidence is clear that from the 50s forward, they were testing with these exact mosquitoes for weapons, for anything else, the narrative they want to tell you, right? But it all translates to today with the argument that, well, we want to use the GM mosquitoes to stop the, uh, to, to reduce the population, right? And help you stay healthy. Turns out, neither of those things are happening. This is science.org. Company and some scientists dispute suggestion that related strain may have made local mosquitoes fitter. As in, not kill them, but made them stronger. For 10 years, hey, look, Oxitec. Interesting overlap. That's the same company through the whole time frame for 10 years. And there's not just more. There's more than one, by the way. But that's the one that stands out to me. The company Oxitec had been testing whether genetically modified mosquitoes can suppress populations of their natural brethren, whether which carry devastating viruses such as Zika and dengue. The 80s Egypti. 
Now, a team of independent researchers analyzing, which is usually how this works, guys, the government and the overlap therein does not seem to want to ever tell you the truth. And you get the people like the independent testers in East Palestine that all tell you they're all lying and they just don't care. So we've same thing here. We have independent researchers, which you should question like anybody else, analyzed the early trial of Oxitex technology and they're raising alarm. Surprise, surprise. And of course, drawing fire from Oxitech because we know how they, you know, they're the company that stands to lose everything should that come out. To, so not like they have a motivation to lie about it, right? It says with a report that some offspring of the GM mosquitoes actually survived and produced offspring of their own that also made it to sexual maturity, which, by the way, is the exact opposite of what's supposed to happen. So instead of using these mosquitoes that can't reproduce, that end up lowering the population and passing this along to other mosquitoes, it, in fact, allows them to be stronger. They don't get killed by it, and they pass the ability to not be affected by what they're doing on to the next ones that they produce as a result local mosquitoes inherited pieces of the genomes of the gm mosquitoes the team revealed last week so really quickly recognize that this is happening with the injections they're giving you it's happening with all of this we're seeing the dna contamination we're seeing the fact that it passes through breast milk that it passes into children that there's lasting generational problems guys this is the same stuff they're genetically modifying these things and testing Right. So the point, I think we just stepped into the human trials of whatever this long term game they're playing is. And the idea that they inherited the genome, I mean, again, we're not we're in a whole other level here where we're talking about the kind of people that were doing the kind of human experiments that go all the way back to World War Two. We're just in another technological level. That's my opinion. Anyway, quote, the important thing is something unanticipated happened, says the population geneticist. Jeffrey Powell of Yale University, you know, conspiracy theorist, who did the study with Brazilian researchers. You know, the place that has been most affected by them using these, one of the many, Brazil, Cayman Islands. Right. And so there they know, and they've been trying to raise alarm, but nobody wants to hear it because, you know, people in Brazil don't matter when you're talking about the Western world, in their minds, I would argue. My point, though, is this is always how it goes. Oh, we didn't foresee myocarditis. Oh, we didn't realize it would cause Bell's palsy. Of course, they didn't care is the point, or they tried to. But my point is, if unprecedented things are happening, unanticipated side effects, why are they still using it today? Because they are. This is 2019. Because I think quite really, quite frankly, this is what they're trying to find out. Using you. It says when people develop transgenic lines or anything to release, almost all of their information comes from laboratory studies. Things don't always work out the way you expect. And that's why you're being used as a test subject. Oxitech, the company, which is a subsidiary of U.S. biotech Interexon, in, uh, in which I believe was, it, was what it was previously called, has a lot at stake. It recently submitted a new generation of its GM mosquitoes for, for, for the U.S. regulatory review and hopes to conduct its first field test next year, which, guess what? They did. Of course, they didn't frame it as a field test. They framed it as we're spraying to stop bad things. Or excuse me, we're releasing them to stop bad things. So why is it that this is listed as a, an experiment and they're getting a permit for an experimental release when they're telling you the government's made sure it's safe and they're doing it to keep you safe? That's as clear as it gets. And I'll keep showing you. They know they're lying to you. Why is the question? Even before Oxitec conducted pilot releases of its altered mosquito in Brazil, Malaysia, Cayman Islands, 
realize all of which we're still at a point where they don't are admitting they don't know the long-term effects. They don't know whether it works. Why are they doing this in these countries? It says before they did all of that, it knew the inserted gene wasn't inevitably lethal, says science.org. Lab tests had shown that when the GM males mated with wild females, roughly 3% of the offspring actually survived. Now, I'll show you a document, thanks to a blog I'll show you at the end, that found that it was actually originally 15%. They realized the problem, and then it went down to 3 So either way you spin it, there is a percentage that does not die, which means that gets translated, and it grows stronger. And that's what they found in this study. It says, we've been very clear about that, right? That they survived and their offspring then survived as well. That's what it says. Powell and his collaborators collected mosquitoes from several neighborhoods. Now, to be clear, the parts that I'm over, overlapping here, Oxitec saying, that's not true. But I don't know why we would want to hear from people that clearly have a motive to lie. Not saying we know they are. Study could be wrong. But I just think it's not, you know, that's, we should listen to people not with a motive to cover something up. Powell and his collaborators collected mosquitoes from several neighborhoods during, before, during, and in the three months after the trial. Within these populations, they estimate between 5% and 60% of the insects had some DNA from the Oxitex strain in their genome. Sound familiar? As much as 13% of the genome in one case. As much as 13% of the genome had Oxitec DNA. We, I mean, do not miss the overlap with the COVID injection right now. It's finally getting traction. Shout out to Kevin McKernan, who was the one that really broke this story. They are contaminated with DNA, and it's beginning to seem like that's part of the plan. So this is the same thing. That's what I'm trying to show people. Razgon, like Oxitec, takes issue with the paper's assertion that the mixing of genomes, quote, likely made the population stronger. Like, doesn't it matter that you're literally exposing the fact that there's DNA contamination? But no, we're just going, we take issue with the fact that you know for sure it made them stronger. We don't know. That's actually their argument. So if you don't know, let's keep using it till we find out. <laughs> Seems like the game, doesn't it? Seems like the same way of going, we don't know for sure it's killing people. We don't know for sure it's causing myocarditis. So let's keep giving it until we know. Is that safe or is that dangerous things for your safety? It says it made the population stronger by increasing its genetic variation. Quote, failed genetically modified mosquito control experiment may have strengthened wild bugs, reads one headline last week. It says, quote, we don't know that that's the case here, but we do know that this population is a hybrid of three strains. That's coming from the Oxitec people. It says his team, however, didn't, re didn't test whether the hybrid Mosquitoes were more resistant to pesticides or more likely to transmit disease. But very clearly on the record, a hybrid of three strains. So they're not dying if that's happening, which even their own documents show 3%. So they know this, guys. They know this. So this is a test. DNA contamination. They're not dying, in fact. And we're going to show you the Cayman Islands admitting that it actually lowered their immunity. Their immune system, really. Now here is the interesting document from this is not supposed to be seen by people i'll come back to this but a shout out to this blog beyond pesticides which you know it, like it doesn't matter where things come from guys if the source material is sound then you should use it right because all the source material in here is accurate and i went through all of it and they're solid so here's what it says where were we oxitec limited confidential information right so you can see at the bottom here very clearly 
it says there, this is not for use for anybody else. This is Oxitec confidential information. It's a four page report about that exact issue. Eliminating with, I think it's uh, tetracy- tetracycline because that's what they found out was causing them to be able to more so sur- supersede the issue or the, the ability to stop the, it allowed them to, to breathe. What it turns out it came from, get this, they were literally feeding these things with cat food. And the cat food had some prevalence of tetracycline, and so that allowed them to not die. See, the point is, it doesn't really matter because they didn't know this before. They were testing on the people they were giving it to, and they go, oops. Well, that's always what I'm pointing out. Whether it's an oops or we planned it, that happens. So we should be allowed to say, hell no. Don't spray your pesticides. Don't release your mosquitoes because we don't even know if you may just make a mistake. On top of all of it, you could be lying to us. But here's what it says. Oh, and again, just, you know, it says here, information provided this document is and shall remain at all times the property of Oxtech Limited and will not be released. But of course, because of a FOIA request, it got released. Producing, yeah, I'll show you right here. It says right here, interesting, it says uh, tetracycline is very effective at binding to the uh, TTAV, which is what they're using here, not to get into technical to it, in regard to the protein they're using to try to create what what they're doing with the mosquitoes. And it says, and actually switching off the enhancement effect. Therefore, even small amounts of tetracycline can repress the RIDL system, which is what they're using. This was highlighted by a difference in results seen between our laboratory and a collaborator, right? So what they did is they realized the problem. They removed the problem. They found out the point was they were getting 15% survival. It's right there. They never told anybody that. This came out in a FOIA request. And we were getting 3% after the point is they basically, this says right here, they were using cat food to feed the larvae and the cat food contained chicken, which has a known tetracycline issue, blah, blah, blah. So either way, guys, the point is they had 15%. When they were first using it, they lied about that, never told anybody, got it down to three and still pretend like there's no issue, even though they know 3% will get out and will grow stronger or at the very least get out. And I think it's pretty obvious genetically that that is how that tends to work. That's very interesting to me. Now, here is the patent or rather the permit we're talking about. This is from 2019. Interestingly enough, 9-11. Pesticide experimental use permit. Oh, actually, of course. I. Oh, wait, no. Hold on a second. I'm making sure I didn't make a mistake here. How interesting. I'm just, See, this is my point. There's so many overlaps to this. So, yeah, we're talking about the Oxitec mosquito. So, this is interesting that it's listed as a pesticide experimental use permit. Isn't that interesting? Here's what it says. The notice announces EPA's receipt of an application from Oxitec Limited requesting an experimental use permit for specifically the exact number and exact type. OX50348080 Egypti mosquitoes expressing tetracycline transactivator variant protein. Sound familiar? The agency has determined that the permit may be of regional and national significance. Therefore, because of the potent potential significance, EPA is seeking comments, which, of course, they pretend like you all know about this and you'll all march out and make your comments and people don't even know this stuff is happening. But guess what? They got thousands of comments anyway saying, no, no, don't do it. With only like 50 that said, yes, they did it anyway. So it's showing you it was all a big lie anyway. But what's interesting that I didn't pick up on, because in my mind, it was all overlapping, that they still listed this as pesticide. So here we have in New York spraying pesticide, they claim, which is dangerous. And then they have the mosquitoes they're claiming to use to try to stop the mosquitoes they say they're spraying for, which is under a 
permit experimental use for pesticides. That's ridiculous. Great job, EPA. Well, this goes forward. So 2019, they get an, a permit and they test on people and they tell you it's for your safety. 2021, bio-supporting Oxitex experimental use permit. It says the biotechnology innovation organization, Bio, submits these, these comments in response to the EPA's request for public input. So this, realize, guys, this is not 19, 2019. This is another application. So this group decides to submit a comment. But I'm, what I'm showing you is that they have resubmitted this permit more than once because it's continuing to be used. Still as an experiment. Isn't that interesting? So they say they request for public input from Oxitec Limited requesting to amend and extend of an experimental use permit for the same one, expressing the same thing. The mosquitoes are proposed to be released in Florida and California. There's my point, guys, to evaluate the efficacy of mosquitoes as a tool for suppression of wild Aedes aegypti mosquito populations, which clearly hasn't worked, and they're testing on unwilling, unwitting populations to evaluate their efficacy. How do you misunderstand that? This is a human experimentation activity. Now, here it is, March 2nd, 2022. Experimental use permit amended. Same one, same number, same everything, to allow releases of the same OX50348 aegypti in Florida and California, which, by the way, is what we were told was for your safety. Here is an obvious proof. Here is obvious proof that that was an experiment on the population. It's as clear as day. They needed the permit that's from the government and so on. Okay, here is from specifically California. Genetically engineered mosquitoes research authorization application. May 2023, Oxitec voluntarily withdrew its research authorization application to test the use of genetically engineered mosquitoes in California. That's May 2023. So every other single effort, which I'll show you a bunch of them, to release these mosquitoes was an experiment to test the use of these on the population. The DPR did not issue a decision on the application for more information of Oxitec's withdrawal. There's links. So why would Oxitec willingly withdraw their application just for California while maintaining it for Florida? Which it did. I'm sure everyone's going to want to think about political overlaps. Maybe you're right. Seems pretty interesting to me. Interesting timing. And I think, you know, people, like I guarantee if there was some issue here that Gavin Newsom decided to be like, no, not for us. The point is, it's interesting. It seems to focus on Florida in a lot of these cases. And now they've, Oxitec of all places said, you know what? We don't want to do it in California. Why? Very, it's very strange. Now, a shout out to Beyond Pesticides, this blog, because that's where a lot of this latter points there came from. I do think it's important. And I just was highlighted. Let's see what it's, uh, what I, something's important here. Let me see. Yeah, so they withdrew. It's saying genetically engineered mosquitoes are an environmental justice issue for the county residents who should not be human experiments. Yeah, it's amazing this is not major news. That's because all of the corporate media doesn't care. We are already impacted by some of the worst pollution problems. Now, it says Oxitec began releasing these mosquitoes over a decade ago, first introducing the insects in the Brazilian town of, uh, how do you pronounce that? The company's made its efforts to launch the mosquitoes in the United States likely as a way to encourage other countries to embrace the new technology. It says it works in other countries, such as the Cayman Islands. Highlights the problems with the novel approach. 
After releasing millions of GE mosquitoes under a two-year contract with Oxitec, Cayman Islands officials were set to renew their contract. But data from the trials indicated, so the trials, so the point is they experimented, they allowed it, and from the experimental trial information, they saw serious problems. Leading the territory, the Cayman Islands environmental health minister to tell the Edmonton Journal, quote, the, the scheme of using the Aegis aegypti mosquitoes, GM, genetically modified, the scheme wasn't getting the results we were looking for. This is 2023, guys. Decades of this. There was further concern that the released mosquitoes could be spreading antibiotic resistance or make mosquito-borne diseases worse by lowering individual immunity. Right there. And all, all the links are right here. You can read the journal. You can, it's all very, I checked it myself. That's wild. Concern over health impacts were combined with an overall lack of proven efficacy with results to date. While Oxitec has made claims that it is able to reduce populations of the, of the mosquito by 98%, the claim has not been publicly verified by U.S. regulators or per, uh, uh, permit companies to maintain their internal data as confidential business information. How is this possible unless these corporations are more powerful than your government? Or your government literally does not care and they're happy to let them experiment. Confidential Oxitec documents obtained, which is what they showed us and I showed you, show that they admitted 15% of them were able to survive, at least in the beginning. Unbelievable. So, I think that's abundantly clear that these things are not what they seem and that there's an alarming overlap and it's only going to get more clear. So let's first of all talk about how we're being lied to directly from the corporate media. As usual, right? Telling us, oh, you're a liar. Don't trust your lying eyes. That's totally not happening. So here is one of the best AP fact checks about Bill Gates' tied mosquito projects is not responsible for recent U.S. malaria cases. Well, you know where that's coming from. We all talked about this. The, the, the obvious and really like almost laughable overlap where you can have them release malaria, genetically modified mosquitoes to stop malaria specifically in Florida and California, and then have, for the first time in however many years, cases of malaria in both those places. I mean, come on. Like, the most obvious and any investigator worth their salt would have been like, okay, well, we should look at that first. It's very obvious. But here's what this says. June 30th, 2023. Claim. Rare malaria cases reported in Florida and Texas recently were caused by a disease control initiative backed by Bill Gates that involved releasing genetically modified mosquitoes in the U.S. Now, to be clear, that's always how they play their games. Everybody seems to laugh at these fact checkers today because other than those that just are the ones plugging their ears and stomping their feet and blindly taking whatever they're given because they play these games like this. Well, first of all, most of us were simply going, isn't that interesting? We should certainly entertain that as a possibility. Isn't it possible that happened? Of course it is. So shouldn't we ask that? So the people out there who don't know that, who come out and say, that's what happened. Gates did this. Don't listen to those people. I mean, maybe for fun, but those are people that are screaming their opinion as if it's fact because they allow their opinion to win the day. We should be saying that's certainly possible. And Bill Gates has the reputation to justify that. And we, you know, that's the reality. But I, nobody can prove that they did this to do that. That's as dumb as corporate media saying, we know what Putin wants to do. You don't know what is in his mind. But we do know they released genetically modified mosquitoes 
We do know that we just proved to you that there's obviously an overlap to even illness, and now we're seeing it happen. Seems pretty interesting. But here's what it says on the AP assessment. False. Which is interesting, right? Because the whole point is they don't know, right? We can't prove they did it, so therefore false. That's how dumb this is. Well, the point is you should say we don't know. We can't prove he did that. We also can't prove he didn't. But that, they don't, that's not how they play this game. They're narrative controllers. But it says, here's the best part. This is why I included it. The Bill and Linda Gates Foundation doesn't finance any modified mosquito release projects in the U.S. Look at that. What a fancy claim that is. In 2023, these are your fact checkers, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, I literally just went through 14 examples that prove that's not true, but I'll show you a few more very clearly. But it says, and experts say the types of mosquitoes they, that are used for that initiative in Florida are not capable of transmitting malaria. That's fundamentally false. But that's not what we're going to get into right away. First of all, is the idea that this, this if we're going to take anything this fact check has to say at face value, which you shouldn't do anyway, if they're going to miss something as obvious as the fact that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation openly for a very long time has both financed in general modified mosquito release projects, but also specifically in the United States. How are we going to believe anything else they're saying or, or, or believe that they have the ability to fact check anything? Here is Oxitec, Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. Okay, they very clearly in the 2020 in 2020 funded malaria focused mosquitoes, genetically modified mosquitoes. That's what this is. Okay, this and this is Oxitech in general for 1.6 million. There's plenty more than that, by the way. This is just the obvious on the record example, one of many of them funding Oxitech, which is doing this work. And again, it's about malaria focused. That's what they're doing. Now, you can also, just an overlap, point out that Bill and Gates Foundation spent $168 million to develop next-generation malaria vaccines. I just think that's very interesting timing. Where was it? Uh... Anyway, I can't, miss the, can't place the date on here, but it was same time frame. Now, the point is, they're working on making malaria vaccines as they're developing things that some argue are giving people malaria. Now, you, you should question that. But it's an interesting motive. Now, here is an article by Derek Bros from 2017. Genetically engineered mosquitoes to be released in 20 different states. Okay, so here we have a fact check article from Associated Press going, no, what a lie. That's not happening. And he, we literally can see these examples, these overlaps. And realize we're talking about the same. I actually don't think this says, uh, hold on. Oh, yeah, I mean, it, it, I, there, there's there's multiple companies that overlap. There's different names. There's different groups. We're focusing on Oxitec, but realize that that is literally what we're talking about. So here we have Oxitec involved with 20 different states in the country, according to the EPA. Derek, always ahead of the game. Here it is on Nature, for those that were already trying to dismiss this, because that's your blog. <laughs> well, no, here it is on the Nature website. U.S. government approves killer mosquitoes to fight disease. 2017. The U.S. Environmental Protection Agency will allow the release of insects in 20 states and Washington, D.C. Look at that. Right there. Oh, I forgot. I do have highlighted down here. Here's what it says. Oh, I thought I missed something. Oxitec has run into challenges when attempting to test its GM mosquitoes in the United States. However, a community in the Florida Keys voted last year against allowing Oxitec to conduct field trials there, although the rest of the country in which the community is located voted in favor of the plans. 
Okay, we don't, we're not debate. This is obvious. They have been using these in the United States for a long time through Oxitec, which is funded directly by Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation for this exact purpose. Let's read it again. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation doesn't finance any modified mosquito release projects in the United States. <laughs> I mean, there's, they're either that bad at this or completely lying, probably both. It says, then it goes on to say, a, a by contrast, Mosquito Mate, which again is the other one he mentions in this article, it's one of the other ones we should consider, has developed and tested a variety of different, uh, the Wolbachia carrying A. aegypti mosquitoes in the Florida Keys in Fresno, California, without drawing much public attention. So realize that just because we seem to focus in more on Bill Gates and his projects, guys, I bet you that we should even consider whether that in and of itself might be a way to make us miss the forest for the trees and focus on just Gates while there's 47 other projects happening we're not paying attention to. We always have to consider that. Like the Nina Jankowitz uh, uh, analogy, right? Where she comes out as a clownish, cartoonish character to say, you know, singing things in Mary Poppins and acting like aggressive censorship, censorship, uh, whatever it was, the misinformation ministry or whatever. Then they go, okay, we heard you, pulled it back, and then immediately rolled out like seven projects of the same thing in different ways. And nobody talked about it. Because we won, we won, they pulled it back. Well, I think that was designed to get us to think that happened so we didn't really notice when they rolled it out everywhere else. I really mean that. And I think that's part of what might be happening here. In any case, they're wrong, guys. It's very clear. Here's Labiotech, GH Foundation, Oxitech, Fight Malaria with Genetically Modified Mosquitoes, June 24th. And of course, some of these are just showing you that they're working on it in general. Some of them are showing you that it's happening directly in the United States. My point is, I think that's very clear right there with 20 different states in 2017, which is, you know, this is 2023 fact check. Here it is on Newsweek, in case you don't like this Labotech website. Engineer mosquitoes backed by Bill and Melinda Gates to wipe out malaria. 2018. Interesting. Okay, so where are we talking about? Right, we're talking about malaria in general. Here's Oxitec, right? These, we're having these conversations right now in the United States. This you're talking about all over the world. Here is Business Insider, also 2018. Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation are giving $4 million to help scientists engineer malaria-killing mosquito. Here's one in the United States from 2020. Florida says this is fine to release of genetically modified mosquitoes. Oxitec, funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. <laughs> is it really that easy to show that Associated Press is wrong? Yes. The lab-altered patented insects are members of the Aedes aegypti, the species of mosquito that spreads and so on. It goes on to talk about all the things they spread. Down here it says, the plan is a Jurassic Park experiment, says the critic G.D. Hansen, who told The Guardian. Hansen has been fighting the mosquitoes' release as policy director for the International Center for Technology Assessment and the Center for Food Safety. Quote, what could possibly go wrong, he said? We don't know, because they unlawfully refuse to seriously analyze environmental risks. And of course, these people get laughed aside and nobody cares, even though they're right. It's amazing, guys. We are in a really bad way when it comes to the flow of information today. The Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation has also worked with Oxitec to develop something known as Gene Drive, a genetic modification meant to spread through multiple generations of mosquitoes to leave them sterile or unable to spread certain diseases. So we're talking about the COVID injection or, oh, excuse me, we're talking about Oxitec and the, and the gene drive technology, which is, by the way, the same overlapping technology. Oxitec has also been eyeing Houston for its mosquito tests beginning next year. Texas, 2021. 
But yeah, but they haven't used him anywhere in the United States, and Gates isn't funding any of it, according to the fact checks. Here it is on thescientist.com. 750 million GM mosquitoes will be released in the Florida Keys. August 2020. Oxitech, even the AOX513A. It's the exact same thing. Here it is on futurism, 2021. I mean, obviously, I could have just shown you one. My point is to show you how stupid this is. Because people out there will go, fact check. What's the fact check say? And go, oh, you're wrong. That's fake news. And post the fact check. Even though you literally have an endless stream of corporate media articles literally pointing out that that's not true. Bill Gates funded the company releasing gene-hacked mosquitoes. Gates Foundation funded Oxtex work to design gene-edited mosquitoes. 2021. It's all the same conversation. How, how about this, guys? How about Bill Gates saying it himself? Would that do it for those people? I bet you still they would say, oh, it's probably a, a deep fake or, or something. Just to make sure we don't have to admit that this might actually be happening to us. Whether we're talking about the release of these mosquitoes or any other use of the same technology. Right? Even that'll be one step too far for some of these people. But let's, let's just start with the fact that he's saying this. Smart solutions, things like genetic manipulation. Where are we on that? Um, in the lab, there's a technique called CRISPR that uh, can change the uh, mosquito DNA in a way that either the population uh, goes down a lot or it doesn't carry this parasite. And uh, you know, we're talking through with the African countries uh, what sort of tests, trials do we need to do before that gets added to the arsenal? Uh, so it'll take a number of years to get all those country approvals. But understand this, that this is at a time when they've already done this in public. It's, I mean, it's just amazing. He knows that. You've already put them out there. You've already, so whether you call it a test or not, you did it in a way that would go to people as the, as the science.org article mentioned. That what about the people that aren't part of the trial? You're, you're out in the open, which is what they're doing. And we already showed you that they have experimental permits to put these in these states. The potential there to, to reduce the mosquito population uh, and therefore locally get rid of the disease makes it a, a very promising addition. What about the, the smarts? Pretty interesting. So let's talk about the discussion of the overlap in regard to the COVID overlap, the idea of ethnic bioweapons, the technology itself, <clears throat> and where this logically seems to be going on that end of it. Now, let's not forget the beginning of all this. You know, the, 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 the almost seemingly, maybe even like the problem reaction, problem reaction solution level of this, spraying all over the country, New York just being the most obvious example right now, but spraying pesticides, doing all sorts of treatments and releasing GM mosquitoes which, by the way, is supposed to be the reason that those aren't there, but they're, they're spraying anyway, like it just doesn't make sense. And then we have to realize there's way, things that could be used in that in general, but also that the mosquitoes they're releasing are using the same tech and whether or not there is some kind of an overlap to all of it. This is an article written by Whitney Webb in 2020. Eco-genocide and the genetically engineered mosquito army. Now, of course, this end stopped being highlighted, but that's why I saved this here. So we'll start with this. I'll just read it from here anyway. So we're talking about the Florida government here. In regard to this, at least in the first part we're discussing, the, Flor <laughs> the Florida government. So it says the unanimous approval 
to allow the deployment starting this summer of over 1.2 billion genetically modified mosquitoes in Key Haven, Monroe County, Florida, over a period of two years could very well decimate a substantial part of Florida's natural flora and fauna, taking dozens of endangered species to the brink of extinction and irrevocably changing the habitat of the thousands of local birds, plants, amphibians, and insects that make up Florida's ecology. Do I even need to say it again? Right? That Florida or Associated Press says this isn't happening or in 2023 says they aren't funding any of this stuff. This is his work. This already happened. The go-ahead comes on the heels of a decision by Trump's EPA. So Trump is the one that gave the green light to this. It comes on the heels of a decision by the Trump's EPA to green light previously thwarted plans to release these airborne Frankensteins in our environment without the slightest regard for the possible consequences. So for out the, if you guys out there support Donald Trump, ask why that would happen. Ignoring, it says, the agency's own lukewarm assessment, admitting some of the dangers. The EPA nonetheless violated mandate requirements of the Endangered Species Act to approve the first ever genetically engineered mosquito experiment in the United States, because that's what it was. Now, here's an actual document about that from its Center for Food and Safety. Certified electronic mail. It's saying a notice of intent to sue for violations of the Endangered Species Act. Can you guess what happened? Nobody cared. It's not how that works. Now it says, despite the EPA's criminal negligence in failing to follow mandated procedures, is that sound very familiar today? All of it? East Palestine or the FDA with COVID? These people are clearly not what they say they are. It was ultimately left to authorities in Florida to give their consent for the plan, which they gave in spades despite overwhelming opposition. That's what I was just telling you before. A public forum held on the issue returned an incontrovertible verdict. 31,174 comments opposing the release, only 56 supporting it. And then they did it anyway. Always showing you how little they actually care about what you think. That is your version of democracy right there. It's an illusion, guys. Even Even though we shouldn't want mob rule anyway. It's not even that. We deal with the illusion of mob rule where they just tell you what they want you to think is what we decided. This, however, it says, seems not to sway a single state agency when it comes time to allow the the deliberate invasion of a new man-made mosquito into what is already one of the nation's most imperiled ecosystems. Again, guys, the EG, the genetically engineered Aedes aegypti mosquito strain specifically of OX513A. Now, on Oxitec's origins and the man in the trenches. As you can see here, I don't know why this app does this. It just frustrates me that it just remove, goes away. Oxitec was first founded in 2002 in the United Kingdom as Oxford, Oxford Insect Technologies. I think that's where it was. Should read it from here for now. A vehicle for commercializing technology that had been developed by Oxford University scientists. <clears throat> it says it remained relatively obscure until it was acquired for $160 million by the U.S. based biotechnology firm, I think it's uh, Presigen. Then, at the time, as we showed you earlier, called Interexon. In 2015, a firm that applies, quote, applies engineering 
to biological systems to enable DNA-based control over the function and output of living cells. Let me say that again, because that's really important. This is, this, this is Oxitec using the same technology they're telling you is designed to, you know, remove mosquitoes. Overlap this, which we'll get into in a second, with the insect allies discussion, which everybody told you was a weapon system. That's what we're talking about. It's the same kind of overlap. In fact, the exact same technology. This is what it really is. Applying engineering to a biological system, so either your body, a mosquito, anything biological, to enable DNA-based control over the function and output of living cells. Aren't you, aren't you being told to take an injection that literally trained your body to produce a protein? This is what we're talking about. Notably, Presagen has since turned its focus entirely to human gene editing using a patented approach called better DNA. While Oxitec was sold to Third Security, a venture capital firm headed by Presagen's former executive chairman earlier this year. So that was 2020. Or, yeah, uh, 2020. Now, it says shortly after its acquisition by Presagen, Gray Franson became Oxitec's CEO. That's this guy here. And a num- an, a, 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 the, an alumnus of the U.S. State Department, of course, who worked closely in connecting non-governmental organizations, you know, basically regime change cutouts, as far as I can tell, and the military, as well as developing the State Department's post-conflict response policy in a variety of conflict zones. Right. So a military guy designing injections, designing genetically modified mosquitoes to help keep you healthy. Makes sense. Or more logically, weapons for the military or in some context for civilian use. Franson's career in this orbit began during the NATO invasion of the Balkans in the 1990s, an invasion overwhelming, rife with issues and, and human rights violations and illegal bombings. In the late 1990s, when he went on a, quote, humanitarian relief trip during the war, that trip spurred him to co-found PICnet. That's actually interesting, PIC. Not that is that even what it means, but pneumonia, influenza, COVID. A technology consulting firm for, the, for NGOs. And he was then, he was quickly made the director of post-conflict reconstruction efforts in the Balkans which is always, again, an overwhelming corruption in that time frame, just like we're going to see the Clintons do in Ukraine right now, for Relief International, a close partner of USAID. Again, one of the most egregious regime change vehicles. The World Bank, I don't need to explain. Google, you get it. The UN and the State Department. Get that. USAID, World Bank, Google, and UN and the State Department. That's where this guy comes from, and now he's running Oxitec. That makes me uncomfortable. Now this, I just, I just prefer to read it from this. It says, Franson's jump into the life sciences industry would also result from his ties to the public sector as he was appointed president of a company called Olfactor Laboratories that develops novel technologies and systems for combating mosquitoes that transmit disease based on research financed by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation and NIH. Perfect. Now, a lot of the other stuff that I jumped over is just his work in foreign policy, military overlap. It's very concerning. Now, it says, as president of Olfactor, Franson signed agreements with the U.S. militaries, none other than the Walter Reed Army Institute of Research, notorious, to employ the company's technology at U.S. military bases around the world. 
The WRAIR is a subordinate of the U.S. Army Medical Research and Development Command, or U.S. Uh, Am- or C. I think I've always said U.S. AMRD, but I don't think that's how you say it properly. Just U.S.A.M.R.D.C., which oversees the U.S. controversial biodefense lab for Dietrich. That once conducted a series of covert bio-warfare tests on U.S. civilians that sought to examine the feasibility of mosquitoes as vectors for bioweapons. We just talked about that. The 1950s, in fact, we told you that they used a big buzz. They released mosquitoes to find out and then used Fort Detrick to try to make them into bioweapons. This is the guy that works overlapping with these groups who is now using those mosquitoes to keep you safe. So we're told. Upon leaving Olfactor, Franson immediately became an advisor to the CDC. Of course he did. To, quote, combat Zika and dengue in Puerto Rico and subsequently replaced Hayden Perry as CEO of Oxitec. Soon after joining Oxitec in 2017, Franson began courting high-powered investors for the company's gene drive or, quote, genetic extinction technologies using insect vectors. That's your dual-use bioweapon slash pretending to help you kind of discussion, ultimately securing the support of the Bill and Linda Gates Foundation in 2018. Openly, with genetic extinction technology, the best thing than framing it as something to help you, in my opinion. Now, this is, uh, let's see, during Zika, also noteworthy. I missed it. Apologize for the delay. I just prefer to read it from here. Huh, that doesn't make sense. Oh, that's why. Sorry, guys. Dang it. What? Am I I losing my mind? Oh, the. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) Those of the podcasts are confused as hell right now. Okay, I found my place. Okay, so going forward. It says, and this is the part that gets really interesting for me. Whitney, as always, is so far ahead of this conversation, or all of them, during the Zika virus scare. Now, I'm going to get into Zika towards the end here, which is really important because I wrote an article about this, and I hadn't even overlapped this. There's so many ways these things overlap. The point is, this stuff's been going on a lot longer than we realize. Might as well just read all this right here. Given Franson's extensive background in the murky nexus between the military, humanitarian NGOs, and diplomacy in conflict zones, some may find his foray into the realm of biotechnology odd. Yeah, it's, to say the least. However, Franson's approach towards biotechnology, specifically Oxitec's gene drive tech, is much is much in keeping with the steady militarization of that industry. Exactly. Thanks to the work of the Pentagon's Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, DARPA, which, by the way, is acutely involved in the COVID-19 injection, and its biotechnology office, as well as the growth of a revolving door between the Pentagon and the biotechnology pharmaceutical industries in recent decades. Franson's conflict zone mentality can be clearly seen in his use of militaristic rhetoric regarding how Oxitec's genetically modified mosquitoes can be used to fight disease. The same way they framed the war on COVID, the war on anything, guys. During his Zika virus scare, Franson's, Franson argued in an op-ed in Reuters that, quote, we need to fight Zika the way the governments fight terror. How does that even make sense? Stating that, quote, the same sort of well-crafted U.S. government-led strategy that was designed to combat transnational terrorism is needed to blunt this deadly mosquito-transmitted illness. 
or frame the people who might be purveyors or vector or deliverers, however you want to say it, of that as the, as the issue like with COVID-19, where you were the evil person for not taking the dangerous injection because you're the one spreading all the, you become the enemy. And I think that's how they framed a lot of this. Franzen's militaristic rhetoric with respect to the life sciences and big push for Oxitec to enter the public health and agribusiness sectors. That's where we get into the insect allies conversation, which we've covered a lot using these as bioweapons, which everybody seemed to scream when it was first happening. The agribusiness sectors being what we just pointed at there, mirror the pivot made by the U.S. military, specifically DARPA, in recent years. Indeed, through Oxitec, is the best-known private sector vehicle... Oh, excuse me, it says indeed, though Oxitec is the best-known private sector vehicle for gene drive technologies, DARPA is actually among the top funders of gene drive technology worldwide. And they're making your COVID injections. Having poured $100 million into the research of the technology by the end of 2017. Again, something that they tried to hide from everybody. That's what this was about. They got found out for doing it and they tried to hide it. I'll get to that in a second. Okay, so the point is what we just showed you before is this is the kind of stuff that can generationally affect. Like these, these are long lasting genetic manipulations or they can be gene extinction concepts and this might in fact be what is it maybe primed in what they're giving maybe exactly what it is or maybe not at all but don't you just shouldn't it be a, shouldn't we ask these questions shouldn't we care that the overlap is that clear darpa's considerable funding of gene drive research was uncovered via a freedom of Info, freedom of information act request filed by the etc group an agroecological advocacy group quote gene drives are a powerful and dangerous new technology and potential biological weapons could have disastrous impacts on peace, food security, and the environment, especially if misused. Well, isn't that interesting? We see issues with peace. We see issues with food security. We see issues with the environment. And I'm not talking about the climate change lie. I'm talking about the idea that all these things are seemingly being immediately affected almost by unseen hands. Oh, unless the food side of it, where we literally see them affecting the, the, you know, removing farming and stopping them from growing. And, you know, even, well, there's a whole section I didn't get into today because I wanted to focus on this. And I will probably tomorrow or the next day about this very ominous cutting trees down to stop climate change thing that seems to be exploding around the world. It is wild. It does kind of overlap here, but it would make the show too long today. But it's saying... That Jim Thomas, the co-director of the ATC group, said at the time, quote, the fact that gene drive development is now being primarily funded and structured by the U.S. military raises alarming questions about this entire field. As always, they say, well, the bad guys in caves somewhere are doing it, you know, with their high tech BSO4 labs over in the caves of Afghanistan. So we have to do it first because, of course, that's how it works. Right. In addition, DARPA has also been pouring money into the use of genetically modified insects for crop defense through its controversial Insect Allies program. That program, announced in 2016, utilizes controversial gene editing techniques like CRISPR to genetically modify insects so that they carry a contagious virus that then infects plants or whatever organism on which they feed, like, an in, like a mosquito and your arm. The insertion of the virus into the target organism, e.g. a particular crop, then imposes genetic changes onto that organism a process known as horizontal genetic alteration that's what's happening in these injections guys and let's hear let's just hear it again this is what bill gates just said things like 
genetic manipulation. Where are we on that? Um, in the lab, there's a technique called CRISPR that uh, can change the uh, mosquito DNA in a way that either the population uh, goes down a lot or it doesn't carry this parasite. And, uh, you know, we're talking through with the African countries uh, what sort of tests, trials do we need to do before... And, and U.S., interesting how they just don't say that, even though it's literally already happening. That gets added to the arsenal. Uh, so it'll take a number of years to get all those country approvals, but the potential there to, to reduce the mosquito population uh, and therefore locally get rid of the disease makes it a, a very promising addition. Well, here, what's interesting is, wait, don't we have Bill Gates on the record talking about, you know, if we do these things right, we can get that population down about 15%. Okay. As much as they pretend that's not what he said, it's very easy to look up and see that's exactly what he said. And then we're talking about how you can use this technology to lower the population of mosquitoes, of course, and that same technology is utilizing your COVID injection. I'm not arguing that that's what's happening. I can't prove that. But what I just said is true. And that's very concerning. And, and, and of course, Bill Gates is directly tied to the injection, too. That's pretty interesting to me. Now, it says, though DARPA has long claimed that the program is merely defensive in nature, independent scientists alleged in the prestigious journal Science that the program is actually a bioweapons program. That this is Newsweek in 2018. DARPA is making insects that can deliver bioweapons, scientists claim. This one was the independent. U.S. military plan to spread viruses using insects could create new class of biological weapons, scientists warn. Like, why don't we learn our lessons from this stuff? How do we not see that this is the same game? Maybe they, they, this, you know, maybe it was that they recognized that using vaccination as the vehicle to test this would stop the scientists from pushing back, which it did. That worked, if that was the point. Now, it says it's also worth <clears throat> mentioning, excuse me, <clears throat> worth mentioning that DARPA's Insect Allies program was announced the same year that Oxitec first applied to have its genetically modified mosquitoes released in Florida. What do you know? How, how do we miss that overlap? This is the Al Insect Allies program from DARPA that is using these technology to be able to actually, I mean, this is genetic extinction technology. And, the, and scientists around the world said those are bioweapons. Oxitec, in that same moment, applies for the same genetically modified license in mosquitoes in Florida, and, that, and we let that happen. Also noteworthy is DARPA's funding of Target Malaria, which describes itself as a not-for-profit research consortium that aims to develop and share new cost-effective and sustainable genetic technologies to modify mosquitoes, and they claim reduced malaria transmission by releasing genetically modified mosquitoes throughout Africa. Notably, the genetically modified mosquitoes being developed for target malaria are being created at the Imperial College London. Big surprise. The very same institution that has received much of DARPA's gene drive research funds in recent years. Also, the group that seemed to create the entire illusion that COVID-19 was, was dangerous to begin with, which it is not. In addition, Target Malaria is partnered with Uganda's Ministry of Health, much like Franson's Pilgrim Africa, and is mostly funded by the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, as well as Open Philanthropy, a fund backed by Facebook co-founder Dustin Moskowitz. Open Philanthropy's involvement is notable, as they are also a major funder of the biodefense think tank first created by HHS Assistant Secretary of Preparedness and Response, none other than Robert Cadillac. 
you know, the guy who just swore that it was all just bad vaccine research and we'll get it right the next time. As well as the Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security. Isn't it interesting how it's like the exact same characters from COVID-19 land? That means something. Which has deep ties to the 2001 biodefense exercise, Dark Winter, as well as last year's event 201. It's almost like it's the same thing. (laughs) Crazy, right? That can't be the case. Well, I think that was mostly it. Let's see. Oh, the last, just the last paragraph here. Perhaps even more alarming, Whitney writes, however, is the fact that many of the most prominent funders and promoters of insect gene drive technologies, namely, chiefly DARPA and Bill Gates, are also the most ardent backers of the mRNA and DNA vaccine candidates for coronavirus, as well as coronavirus treatments that directly edit human genes in vivo. Given that Oxitec's longtime owner, Presogen, has become laser-focused on gene-editing technology for use in humans, as opposed to insects, it increasingly seems that the use of these experimental and untested technologies are intended to be much more far-reaching than many realize. 2020. Jump forward to 2023, and you already know what's happening. Now, very quickly again to recognize, this is 2017. The U.S. military was quietly investing in gene extinction technologies. And here's what it says on The Guardian. Weird how they're very silent about all this today. Technology could be used to wipe out malaria carrying mosquitoes or other pests. But U.N. experts, United Nations experts say fears over possible military uses and unintended consequences strengthen the case for a ban, both of which we have already seen play out. So I guess they decided they didn't care. Maybe they're all too distracted with Russell Brand's story and the guessing about that story to focus on the reality. I guess this is an old article, but I mean today. Here's what it says. The documents suggest that that DARPA, the U.S.'s secretive research group, has become the world's largest funder of gene drive research, quietly, and will raise tensions ahead of a U.N. expert committee meeting in Montreal because they're going to call it out. The U.N. Convention on Biological Diversity is debating whether to impose a moratorium on gene research next year, and several southern countries pose a possible military application. Oh, excuse me. Fear a possible military application. Can you guess what happened? They didn't care. They never stopped. They raised their concerns. People said, we need to stop this. Just like people were screaming, we need a moratorium on on, uh, artificial intelligence and all these different things. And people don't care. It's lip service. Or if they actually mean it, the people that want to do it don't care what they say. Every single time throughout history, or at least since these government, even you know before the U.S., but this kind of Western world development stage, we have seen this kind of action. The, the lying, the, the lip service, the, the patronizing, and they do it anyway. The use of genetic extinction technologies in bioweapons is the stuff of nightmares, but known research is focused entirely on pest control and education eradication, they claim. Cutting-edge gene-editing tools like CRISPR and Cas9 that Bill Gates just said they're using in the mosquitoes they're putting out in your local community work by using a synthetic ribonucleic acid, otherwise known as RNA, to cut into DNA strands and then insert, alter, or remove target traits. You need to see that as the same possibility in what you're being given. These might, for example, distort the sex ratio of mosquitoes to effectively wipe out malarial populations. Or, you know, say that and then do the exact opposite. Maybe by design, maybe because they're clumsy. I don't know. 
Now, here are two things we put out. This was just a repost of, of Truthstream Media's report on Zika, which you should definitely watch. Discussing the how, you know, proposed the emergency release of millions of billionaire eugenicist Bill Gates' $20 million genetically modified mosquitoes. Why? Zika. Again, showing you there's other examples of them paying to release these that AP just seems to miss in their extensive due diligence, right? Well, here's something I wrote. 2016, the Zika virus and mosquitoes, origin versus outcome. Interesting. I, I mean, I was so completely in the dark about so many of the things we're talking about today, and yet I was still able to pick this out. A lot of us were, by the way. It's not unique to me or TLAV. It can be a difficult task. This is 2016. I wrote this. It can be a difficult task wading through all the many different claims surrounding this topic, Zika in general, with the amount of misinformation circulating today. The sad but accepted fact is that the majority of the worst misinformation comes straight from the horse's mouth, the U.S. government. <laughs> People are seeing that more today. Here's what it says. Until very recently, Zika was a rare... Now, oh, by the way, obviously, even at this point, even more so than today, I was completely unaware of even the, the criticisms of germ theory, and I'm much more in tune to those very real and valid concerns. So as we read through this, just recognize I'm writing from a different place. And even then, I wasn't just blindly buying what they were selling as the narrative. But so read it from that and realize that we're going to step past this article into some other points. But it says, until very recently, Zika was a, very, a rare tropical disease associated with only mild symptoms. Doesn't that sound interestingly familiar? Like everything we talk about, like RSV, some exploding into these different populations. So we need to ask whether that might have been because of what they gave people, but also because of whether we're the gene drive manipulation, mosquito, whatever else, genetically modified foods, all the things they're putting out, whether these things are having these kind of effects. In this case, pretty much mild symptoms at that time. If it was even, you know, again, maybe it was something else entirely, but it says it is spread primarily, they claim, by an Aedes africanus mosquito, which is the forest relative of specifically Aedes aegypti, both of which can spread the virus. So they claimed due to this form of transmission, the virus is called an abrovirus in the same family as West Nile and dengue fever. So it all overlaps with these West Nile, dengue, yellow fever, Zika all this stuff. However, the first documented case of sexual transmission was just recorded in Texas, or so we were told. In 2007, very few cases of Zika in humans were reported. The virus was known to cause mild symptoms of fever and rash, yet four out of five who became infected didn't produce any symptoms at all. Sort of interestingly, it's an overlap with what we just talked about. Then an outbreak occurred on the Yap Island of Micronesia, infecting approximately 75% of the population. It was discovered there that Zika was linked to Guillain-Barre syndrome, a paralyzing neurological condition. All of these are new discoveries, right? What changed? That doesn't just that doesn't just happen like that. Not not unless there's some kind of catalyst. And on top of that, Guillain-Barre syndrome was a very obvious side effect of injections and other other types of interventions, right? <clears throat> And I do believe that overlaps with exactly this over this technology. We saw the same Guillain-Barre syndrome from the genet, the gene editing COVID-19 injections. Now, Brazilian officials had announced that in the previous years, they had experienced over 4,000 cases of infant borns with microcephaly. Brazilian officials spoke out, believing that the defects were linked to Zika. And again, there's a whole dynamic to whether that was driven from something else or whether Brazil just thought that. And with this concept, with the connection that was made, the situation dramatically changed. 
in the conversation, that is. From October 2015 to January 2016, there was almost 4,000 cases of babies born with microcephaly. Before then, about 150 a year. So, okay, what happened? Like, the argument isn't that Zika just suddenly started causing this or that they just suddenly started noticing it, there was a rapid and clear escalation in the cases, the amount of illness, and then what they're claiming it was causing. Following Brazil's announcement, the virus had taken main stage and grabbed the attention of the world. Remember this? This went around. The, everybody was talking about Zika. It was everywhere, right? The virus was recently found in 27 different countries, and there are reportedly, reportedly at least 30 cases in the United States. Coming from a time when it was almost not, barely even talked about and very, not benign necessarily, but just basically not even remotely like this. The theory garnered by most, the most attention from the alternative and even the mainstream alike has been the link. And at the time, there was some even corporates that were pointing at this. Linked to the release of GMO mosquitoes in either the exact, the exact location they saw this happen or within a reasonable proximity of each of the outbreaks. The idea of a GMO mosquito, as scary as that sounds, is a realistic endeavor that is currently being executed in multiple locations around the world. Gee, if only people were listening to us then. Without a, the vote or input of any associated constituency. You're not voting for this and they don't care. It all began with the company called Oxitec. I was writing that myself in 2016. I'm actually pretty proud of that. I didn't really know what it meant at the time, but look at how far ahead that was. Oxitec, which is funded by the Bill and the Gates Foundation, decided to create genetically modified male mosquitoes. The male mosquitoes named Aedes aegypti OX513. The same exact variant or whatever they're calling it. That's the same thing. The same gene silencing technology, the same mosquito, the same strain, everything. And Oxitec would seek out female mosquitoes and, may and mate with them, resulting in no offspring. We know that's not true now, at least not entirely. However, multiple sources are claiming that female species had, in fact, been released as well. So on top of the story that they're not even actually stopping the, the, the uh, reproduction, there are sources that claim at the time that they even released females. So that tells me a deliberate story, a deliberate effort to make sure that happened. Or an accident, you can decide, but that's my gut feeling. And says... Uh, it is important to make note of the fact that the Aedes aegypti OX513A is a modified version of the Aedes aegypti species of mosquito primarily associated with the spread of the Zika virus to begin with. A connection that should not be hard to overlook. That, that should be hard to overlook. So they take a mosquito that is already what they say is you know, spreading all of the Zika and then they give they, they genetically modify that very mosquito under the argument that it's going to lower the population. Okay, then that we already just proved to you that this earliest time, 15% were not, they were actually reproducing and spreading the ability to not, they were stronger, they were, and then when we just heard from the Cayman Islands, they were lowering their immunity. So is that not enough to argue that that caused the outbreak of Zika? Then I would simply argue that all of the other things are potentially because of the, the genetically modified technology there, or gene editing technology that caused some kind of weird overlap microcephaly or whatever else happened just my theories it says despite a public outcry in regards to the release of the untested genetically modified bugs in the population the mosquitoes were first released in southern florida back in 2006 guys it's so stupid how obvious all this is funded by bill gates oxitec and everything the intention was to eliminate mosquitoes spreading west nile 
in Florida all the way back then. They were then released in Brazil and Mexico purportedly for the same untested rationale. Directly following the release of the modified version of the Aedes aegypti, the massive outbreak and associated microcephaly occurred in these regions. Again, hard to ignore the correlation. Right? So they release them and they see an explosion. I mean, come on, the correlation, right? And that there is a valid point to say correlation is not causation. That's not invalid. But you don't ignore the correlation. That's unbelievably obvious to me. And the only reason they get away is they say, well, it's not possible. Like they say, these shots can't give you the flu. Well, yeah, they really can. And we've now proven that. Now, in the context of whether a COVID shot can give you COVID, well, they still say no, but something tells me that's also not true. But you guys can decide for yourselves. At the very least, it destroys your immune system, which causes you to catch everything under the sun. But back to the point, they're literally talking about the fact that they keep doing this and they keep creating a situation where they lower immunity, they spread the illness, and they blame it on, like, I, the, the real anomaly is the microcephaly. And whether or not that is something that is a byproduct of the illness they're trying to stop and it got worse, or it's actually some kind of genetic, like, this is part of these testing. Or, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them to actually do this. But that's my opinion, and I'm probably scaring people away. Oxitec is now planning on doubling down on the unilateral worldwide human experiment by continuing to release more of them. And we all got lied to. Our own governments are telling you they're doing this because they know it works and they're keeping you safe. We're just low in the population. No big deal. No mosquitoes. <laughs> Except that's not what's happening. You're being experimented on according to their own documentation. According, directly following the release of these mosquitoes, the massive outbreak occurs in every single region. According to the Business Insider at the time, <clears throat> it says, right now, Oxitex mosquitoes are able to cover about 5,000 people in a district of the city. But the company plans to spread the mosquitoes to cover up to the up to 60,000 person urban center. Longer term, it said it's going to be able to scale at the project to cover 300,000 people. So what does that mean exactly? So realize the technology, as they stated, is to release these mosquitoes, which will then reduce the mosquito population. How does that in any way apply to a specific number of people? How do you translate, translate that unless what you're actually talking about is enough mosquitoes that are going to be, I don't know what, biting people? I don't know. That just seemed like a very weird way to frame that. Now, it says, from Snopes and Huffington Post, because you know how great they are at this job, to the Business Insider, an abnormally large amount of mainstream media, which typically do not acknowledge such theories, have come out in force to essentially disprove an unsubstantiated discussion. Now, what's interesting about this, the reason I highlighted that, that did not happen the way it does today back then. Not as much. And to me, that stood out glaringly. But today, this is what I keep showing you. We're winning the information war because today... 90% of their job is shouting down things we break or point out. I don't mean us as T-Lab, but the independent media. Every day we find fact checks and mainstream stories that are going, here's what they're saying over there. Before, they used to just disregard this and occasionally point something that's like this out. That's a big win right there. We are dictating the discussion. So what they're saying here, or what I was saying here, is that they're ultimately, all three of them came out in, in force to fact check a, 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 a question like that's where that's what they're doing today essentially so you're not allowed to go on anywhere and say could this be causing myocarditis and they go fact check no it's not and it's like well what do you mean i didn't say it is i said could it be <laughs> and that's our that's the thing i keep showing you and so in this same case people were simply going could that not be the reason 
So they essentially disproved a discussion. <laughs> so dumb. It's because, in my opinion, they were told or driven to say, no, it's not that because there's something behind it. This was a simple posing of questions and theories based on factual information, right? We know they're GM mosquitoes. We know they're, they're the same ones that are spreading Zika. We know that they were released in all these exact locations where they later have an outbreak and they later get microcephaly. It's all factual. So the simple question is, could that not be the why it's happening? I mean, that's a really honest and even logical question. The entire point of such a discussion is to open the topic up to investigation and possibly pose new questions to research. See, even, my, even myself at this time was gl- glaringly unaware of how aggressively they will just completely ignore logical thought processes. I mean, I was aware of it, but as I'm writing this, I'm like kind of shocked by it, right? Yet the mainstream media took it upon itself to attempt to, quote, debunk this line of thought. How does one debunk a posed question? (laughs) Debunking is typically reserved for the answers and claims made as a result of questions offered. But you see, this is what they, that's an industry today. How interesting is all that? And of course, all the source material, everything you want to check for yourself. Very interesting. So that, by the way, should really open up the conversation again about the ethnically targeted weapons conversation from RFK and whoever else. Right. The idea that we literally know that they are working on genetics, gene silencing technology. We know that the military is funding that aggressively. That's the same tech in your covid injections, the same tech in all these insect allies and everything else we're talking about. What else are we talking about except specifically trying to silence certain types of genes or, or, you know, ethnically targeted weapons? I mean, that, that, and, and we shouldn't even debate this because it's on the record that they have been trying to make this happen for a really long time. And it's easy to prove. And I've done, I've done it on this and other shows or on this show, but this was the article by Derek where we openly talk about this. And here's the, the tweet that I put out that points to the study. So you can see for yourself, that is a very real study that discusses how specifically this ACE2 gene is different in different populations. And in particular, Amish and Ashkenazi Jew populations didn't have it. So they were far, far, far less susceptible to whatever this was. So that could be by, that could be randomly happening, or it could be because somebody did that. That's all that was being posed. Not that, Again, you don't debunk a possibility, right, that they do because they're scared of them. But so here are the couple articles I just showed you, articles where the corporate media in 2018 was simply going, you know, these scientists, which there were hundreds of them signing documents around the world, were telling us the U.S. military is lying to you. They're making weapons and telling you it's defense. Agency says it's trying to genetically modify crops, but experts think the goal is simply not plausible because they're experts. You shouldn't just blindly take their word because they say they're experts. My point is these are doctor scientists who have credentials who know what they're talking about from multiple places all around the world. It's collectively signed a document that said what they're doing is not true. It's not plausible. They're making weapons and we can prove it. And that's why this got real quiet and drifted into the background because they got caught guys. But remember this, that we just showed you. That's what that part was about. This part right here. Realize in 2020, what they were telling you, they were already going through regulatory approval. Infectious solutions are also being developed for food and agriculture and are currently making their way through the regulatory approval process. Okay, well, that was 2020. We're in 2023 right now. What happened? Well, they didn't, nobody said, we're not doing that. So I think we can pretty clearly guess that that was something that they approved. 
and I think I don't we know this, guys. That my point is we've proven this, and that's already happening. DARPA is making insects that can deliver bioweapons, scientists claim. Now, here is the article that I wrote. This is from this is from 2018, October 5, October 5, 2018. Scientists accused DARPA of genetically modifying insects for bioweapons to spread. Oh, I'm sorry. I, as I said that, I realized this is the wrong article. This was written by Matt Agarist, who, by the way, was the founder of co-founder, I believe, of the Free Thought Project, which, by the way, is something you should check out. And as, as I understand it, they're just like many of these long-standing platforms are struggling today because they're being attacked and censored and so on. Um, but th- this is the article that they posted originally that goes into this discussion. Important, it's important to read. <sighs> well, I guess I guess it's kind of out of the bag that I'm not at the office today. <laughs> I just usually she's much better than that, so I apologize for the the loudness. But now here is an article from Texas A&M. Scientists disable protective gene in mosquitoes. The Texas A&M researcher explains the mosquito gene manipulation study and how it might help protect humans and animals. Okay, this is March 15th, 2023. So what we're talking about here is the same exact technology, but they're being they're just explaining it in a very different way today. Okay, so it says immune pathways that protect mosquitoes from human pathogens, West Nile, Zika, all the things we're talking about, were disabled by Texas A&M. So interestingly enough, what they're essentially saying is we we removed their the immune pathways that protect them, which I mean, wouldn't that arguably couldn't there be a byproduct of that which caused these things to rapidly explode and and mutate and get crazy because they're just running free? Yeah, so I think that's interesting. But it says the research study RNA interference. Well, that's what I'm trying to tell you guys. That's this is the level they're at now, and there that was th- this was something that's been put forward a while ago. This is, this is stuff, as it says, it was recognized in 2006 as the Nobel Prize. This is Robert Langer. That's what they're now saying is the future for these next, these next steps. And it's, that's the gene silencing technology. That's what's being used. So here we are, where they're telling you right now, this year, RNA interference is essential to modulating the pathogenesis of mosquito-borne viruses in the yellow fever mosquito, Aegis aegypti. Same point. Published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences showed that the mosquito vector species, Aedes aegypti, becomes acutely susceptible to disease when the protective immune pathway is disabled. Well, I think that's pretty obvious. But it says the discovery provides new insights to the ecological and evolutionary interactions occurring between mosquitoes and the pathogens they transmit to humans and animals. And there's the point that stood out to me, or one of them. Kyle Miles, Kevin Miles, professor in the Department of Etymology or Entomology, at the Texas A&M University College of Agriculture and Life Sciences said the findings could potentially be used to control the transmission of many different vector-borne diseases to humans and animals. So, of course, you could hear this as keeping people safe, but my point is the idea of what they're using here can go both ways. Control the transmission of diseases into humans and animals. Miles has been involved in related research with Zach Adelman, a professor in the Department to develop methods for genetically engineering mosquito populations. Adelman was also involved in this study. So you're genetically modifying them to be more susceptible to disease. That's an interesting thing. And claiming that will find, that sounds like almost like gain of function on viruses in a way that they claim will be used to find a way to protect you from the dangerous thing. Now, I'm not saying that's what this is, but it's an analogy saying what they're doing is going, let's remove their immunity so they get really, you know, we see how sick they get or how much that changes and we'll, I guess, use what we learn to protect you. I guess, 
But it says now that you we know how important the mosquito's immune response is. Well, I, don't we already know that? <laughs> Isn't that the whole point? It says it, how, how important it is in the transmission of viral pathogens. Can we exploit that information to control disease in humans and animals? Control disease in humans. That's exactly the point. Now, he may think this is something they're doing for an altruistic reason, but I can prove that there are people that are not. It says, for example, in other work occurring in the laboratory, we are collaborating with George uh, Demopopoulos, the lab at Johns Hopkins University, to see if we can augment or reinforce the mosquito's immune response to make insects that are resistant to infection with these pathogens, or the reverse. We are also collaborating with Omar Akbari's lab in the University of California in San Diego to see if we can interfere, interfere RNA with the mosquito's immune response so that they develop disease when infected with these pathogens. By, excuse me, finally, we are collaborating with Alderman's lab here in the department to develop novel gene drive strategies for genetically modified mosquito populations. I mean, it's all the very same thing, and all this sounds so concerning to me. So to finish, let's not forget the thing I just covered. Because it really does put a finer point on all of this to realize that this is something, if we know as we just went over, that the military has been trying to weaponize this, that they've been trying to use it in civilian populations for a really long time. They've effectively done so through the guise of stopping mosquito illnesses. And they've done it all over the world, including all over the United States, using experimental technology that we already proved has direct effects on your body. Then they seemingly are spraying pesticides everywhere to stop the very thing they claim they're doing that for, which makes no sense. And all of this technology overlaps with numerous things they're giving people to keep you safe today. Let's go, going all the way back, I think this patent was from 2003, 2015, 2014. It's a patent for toxic mosquito area release system. This is the show I did. A deployable mosquito tech can execute, incapacitate, or vaccinate. That's literally what this thing says. Like you could read, I, I went through this in the entire show where it says they can, you know, having a toxin suitable to be transmitted by the mosquito bite. And they make a point to talk about how it can be. Let's see if it even if I can grab it real quick. Oh, this is just the abstract. Yeah. If I, in the full document, you can see where it goes over exactly that. It's saying you can, you can change the level. You can make it so it can kill people. You can deploy something that only incapacitates. And it literally says for civilians and riots or something that literally vaccinates somebody. Now, the whole point is this is a system, right? It is a drone that carries a system within that where the, and it even says that right here, I think. Can't type. I guess not. It says a device, error release mosquitoes, unmanned, oh, it's right there. Unmanned aerial vehicle operable by remote control, full of mosquitoes in which they breed, self-contained volume housing mosquitoes, and it says they have a toxin that, can, that they then transmit. So they, they, it's a self-contained sub situation where it grows them, they feed them toxins, and then they release the, they, the drone releases them. This grant, uh, you, you got to watch the show because it's wild. The grant is made by this we, overlapping all these different unnamed trusts where you don't know where the money's coming from. This guy's name is Calvert Mill, like almost like military covert, but that's just what somebody else pointed out to me. But the point is this name, you can't, there's no... It's nowhere you can't find where it leads back to. It's all anonymous money, and the guy works on things that are straight out of spy novels, like bullets that cause strokes. And they're all real patents, guys. This this is on NIH National Library of Medicine. And my point was, and I guess James Corbett pointed something out to me that apparently I guess I was wrong that you don't have to have a workable device. Nonetheless, 
Do we really believe that the government or patent offices would allow a civilian to patent stroke-inducing bullets or murdering mosquito aerial release systems? Like, come on, that doesn't make any sense to me. So this is an obvious overlap with military stuff as far as I'm concerned. And here's a video, a clip of the main points that Brock put out on our Rumble. Toxic GM mosquitoes and other dangerous patents that we go over those patents in general. My point is simply that if we know all of this is happening, we know all of these things have already been shown to be dangerous, whether we're talking pesticides, the genetically modified injections, or the, the general technology they're using across the board for all of this. And we know that they've even designed systems to release these things. We just simply have to ask whether that might be part of what's happening. And that's not conspiracy theory. That's not, that's not even misinformation or dangerous or irresponsible. It is simply a logical question based on the facts we have in front of us. And, I, and you know my opinions. I think very clearly that there's a level of this that is darker than we realize. And then, of course, just to re leave you with a point that will hopefully connect it for the people that are dismissing it, seems to have already been used. Do not fear the drones airdropping 50,000 mosquitoes from above. This is 2018. Smithsonian Magazine. So it may not be the same thing, but at the very least, as, a, as Associated Press is telling you you're wrong that it ever has happened or that they've ever funded any of them, doesn't that seem a little alarming? <laughs> well, I'll leave it there for you. And hopefully some of this information will connect and hopefully you'll find some things that maybe I missed and, and reach out. So thank you for being here as always. Keep pushing, guys. Keep fighting. Keep seeking the information in an objective, nonpartisan way because there are so many people out there who are misleading you at every possible turn. Whether they just don't care if they're wrong and it's about clicks or they're knowingly trying to deceive, it is, you know, it's always been there. I just see it more than ever, but be careful who you listen to, or at the very least, listen to everybody, but question everything, always. If you'd like to support the platform, guys, there's a lot of ways to do so. All the show notes are below in all the videos, and you can support us a lot of different ways. Our, our donation portal, our Substack, or buy us, buy us a coffee, subscribe star, direct donation to our address, which is in the show notes. We appreciate you. We've had some great couple months here where we're continuing to grow, and we're going to try to find ways to branch out even further. I actually have a lot, I keep saying this, but even more so in the last couple of days, I have some really exciting things that I don't want to talk about just yet because I want to make sure that we are, they're actually happening, but some really exciting things and some overlaps with some other big platforms that you guys all love that are going to be important if they end up happening. So we'll see, but either way, we're getting a lot of reach out there. We are reaching people and it's because of you. So thank you for supporting us. I love you all as always question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.